Hello there, and greetings to you. Welcome to Duel of the Takes Season 3. If this is your first time listening, you've picked the perfect place to start, and we welcome you to the show. If you've been listening for the past two years, to the now over 80 episodes in the back catalog, welcome home. I am your host, Nathaniel Martin. Joined with me are longtime co-hosts of the show, Josh Kubis and Alden Mason. Also joining us this evening is recurring panelist and Season 2 co-host, John Sekula. Today, we're talking about movies of 2021. The good ones, the bad ones, and the ones when debating could get ugly. The four of us will take turns drawing three random movies and sorting them in either good tier, bad tier, or ugly tier. And then at the end, we will rank all 24 movies from worst to best in each tier. For those of you who have been listening or watching us for a while, this is very similar to our old Kill, Fuck, and Marry format, with one key difference. If you roll a movie you don't want to talk about or haven't seen, you are allowed to re-roll once per turn. There's also another surprise with this format, but I'll reveal that later. Uh, before we start, can we add reminiscence so I didn't feel like I wasted two and a half hours of my life? I think it's on there. Hold on. I just remembered that movie existed today. And you definitely wasted your time with that. Hey, uh, Alden, r- roll that new intro. Man, how about that new intro, guys? Andrew P. Roberts really outdid himself with the season three intro. I can't believe we got Steven Tyler to sing the intro. That was huge. Thank you to Aerosmith. All right. Well, uh, John, you're up first. Your first movie of 2021 that we are going to talk about today is The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Okay. All right. Did see that movie. Your next movie from 2021 that we are going to be talking about is Nightmare Alley, Guillermo del Toro. Do you want to talk about it or do you want to? I feel like I should re-roll just because I've never seen it. Yeah, I'm thinking so too. All right, your second movie from 2021 is... Oh, I got to talk about Ron's Gone Wrong. <laughs> Have you seen Ron's Gone Wrong? <laughs> I haven't, but I know I know a little bit about it. I, I can help you through it. And your third and final movie for this round is Black Widow. Oh boy. Interesting. I forgot this movie came out this year. I'm not even going to lie. I I literally forgot it existed and I saw it twice. It's pretty forgettable. All right. So your three movies are The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, Ron's Gone Wrong, and Black Widow. Good, bad, and ugly. And keep in mind, ugly doesn't necessarily mean worse than bad. It just means one you can formulate a hot take on. Okay, so the, the, the wild card here is Ron's Gone Wrong, because I haven't seen it. The, the ratings that I've seen are not great. It seems like it's just like a forgettable animated kids movie. Black Widow. Black Widow's a little whack widow. Arguably the most forgettable Marvel movie, other than uh, perhaps either Eternals or... Uh, yeah, that was this year. Captain Marvel. Um, those are like the the, the, the holy trilogy of, of forgettable shit Marvel movies. I don't know. Thor 2 is pretty fucking forgettable, too. <laughs> 
Oh, see, I even, I forgot about it. That's how forgettable it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then Conjuring 3 is uh, definitely one of the worst movies in the Conjuring franchise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to give my input here. Uh, Ron's Gone Wrong might be the strongest pick. <laughs> really? That sounds ugly to me. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know that Black Widow basically dies like six times. Like, she falls from, like, six stories. She gets uh, literally crushed by a car. She gets flipped over in a, in, in a car twice. She's in a car upside down that slides downstairs into a subway, and she's just fine. And she also breaks her own nose like it's nobody's business, and there's no blood. <laughs> Alden, I don't have a real argument for why Ron's Gone Wrong is, uh, is bad or good. All I can say is that it had three finales, so they can cut the last, like little bit of the movie it to me ron's gone wrong looked like a really odd mix between like all these like other movies like the wish dragon and raya and the last dragon like all the other bland forgettable animated movies we've gotten this year with like a pinch of big hero six it got a de- it had a decent voice cast i like zach galifianakis he's sometimes funny when i watched the trailer it reminded me of like a less inspired version of mitchell's versus the machines which is also on this list so we're gonna have to talk about that one maybe uh, let's just start off conjuring three goes in bad it's not good uh if you love the conjuring movies even still you probably don't like this movie because it's just not it's not good I, I i'm gonna say uh ron's gone wrong is ugly because it's generic and bland but it's not offensive um and then black widow goes in good even though it really shouldn't out of these i think it's the most solid movie black widow isn't a good movie but it is solidly made the, the filmmaking is competent the script is fine the, the some of the performances are actually really good like florence Pugh. yeah i thought florence Pugh was good in the movie she's fantastic uh uh david harbour is that his name He's fun. I like all of the scenes he's in. He's not in it enough. They do a fake out where it's like you think that the mom is going to like betray Black Widow and her sister and and, and uh, David Harbour's character. Of course, she doesn't because that's not how the movie's going to play out. And then once you've figured that out, once you've seen it happen, like, oh, oh, she they swapped places. Like she's wearing a cool cyber mask like we've seen in, in uh, uh, the, that second Captain America movie. But then we do a flashback and it's like her and her mom talking. And, <laughs> and she's like, so here's what we're going to do. Do. we're gonna do a fake out and it's like we know we just saw it it just happened like why are you t- thanks mommy from the mummy forget it. like black widow is less forgettable than ron's gone wrong nobody's gonna remember that movie in five years unless it wins best animated picture this year it's on that short list that josh shared <laughs> did mitchell's versus the machines get a nomination uh the the nominations aren't out yet but mitchell's versus the machines was on the short list as well it'll it's probably a contender if ron's gone wrong loses to or wins against mitchell's versus the machines i will riot i don't know i there were more things in mitchell's versus the machines like annoyed me than ron's gone wrong all right alden are you ready yeah all right the first movie you were talking about from 2021 is oh no thunder force (laughs) the the netflix superhero movie starring melissa mccarthy and octavia spencer have you seen it i I just realized i have seen it (laughs) do you want to re-roll if he's seen it, I'm fine keeping it. <laughs> okay. You're doing this to yourself. Your next movie that you were talking about from last year is... Are you just getting the Netflix, straight to Netflix shit? I guess Red I am. Red Notice. <laughs> Your third and final movie for this round, a movie that came out in 2021, is The Green Knight. 
What a weird selection of movies you got. I feel like this one is uh, is going to write itself a little bit, but... This one's pretty easy, I think. Yeah. I'm excited to hear Alden's take. I don't know about you guys. So you got The Green Knight, Red Notice, and Thunder Force. Good, bad, and ugly. Let's hear it, Alden. Are there any uh, final words for Thunder Force? I think that uh, Thunder Force is a good contender for ugly here. I haven't seen Red Notice, but I have watched people break down the movie, uh, and it seems fucking abysmal. Uh, Thunder Force. It's weird. It's surprisingly fun, and I I don't want to say that because I think Melissa McCarthy uh, is not great at all. Uh, lately, actually, she's been getting some roles that I really appreciate. Like she was in um, Nine Perfect Strangers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was really good in that. I think that she's, you know, she still does like the fat person fall down, haha, funny thing in Thunder Force, but it, there's something appealing about it. I, I didn't mind Jason Bateman in the movie, too. He's playing like the villain guy. He's got like claw hands. He's like a lobster man. I thought that that was kind of funny. There's a couple of good bits, but yeah, I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I just kind of had it on in the background at one point. I think that it has more like going for it than Red Notice does. All right, Alden, take it away. I, I was thinking about putting Thunder Force there already um red notice is just it's not good it's like fine it's entertaining but it just i felt drained and annoyed after watching it so i'm putting red notice in bad and of course green knight is great it's good it's one of my favorites this year did you guys see the rock roast vin diesel today vin diesel made this long instagram post a couple of weeks ago begging the rock to be in fast and furious and the rock like responded today and pretty much cut a promo on him i saw the vin diesel post like i think that was almost two weeks ago now it was like right before christmas i think and he was like yo my kids call you uncle like you're part of the family we need you in the next fast and the furious movie like i was like what the hell is this all about and then the rock cutting a promo from that's got to be golden wait i thought the rock was already in in the Fast and Furious movie. He is. He's been in four of them, but he doesn't want to do the next one because uh, he's, too, he's too expensive. He, he's a, His name it would be top build on that movie if it wasn't Vin Diesel's franchise. Yeah. Conflicts with the contracts and The Rock wants to do other things. I did hear about how when they fought, when Vin Diesel and The Rock fought, there was a, a stipulation in both of their contracts where neither of them can lose in the fight. It has to be even. Josh, it is your turn. Are you ready? I am. Your first movie that you're talking about, assuming you've seen it or uh, want to talk about it, is... It's an animated movie. I don't think you've seen it. Raya and the Last Dragon. Oh, I've seen it. Oh, okay. Your next movie from 2021 is... Oh, boy. It's Ghostbusters Afterlife. I have a lot to say. I really want to talk about this one. <laughs> and your third and final movie for this round is... Willy's Wonderland, that's the Five Nights at Freddy's movie with Nicolas Cage beating up the animatronics. Did you see that one? No, so I'm going to give it a pass because I feel like Alden and other people on the panel would want to talk about that movie. Reroll activated. Your third movie is Mortal Kombat. All right. Okay. I know you've seen this. We, okay, so we have two properties that probably shouldn't still be getting sequels. And then we have Ryan the Last Dragon. Okay. That's correct. <laughs> I actually found myself really liking the Mortal Kombat movie. Um, it doesn't have the greatest acting or the greatest script. You're not looking for that in a Mortal Kombat movie. I think it has a Kino opening scene, and it shows the origin of both Sub-Zero and Scorpion perfectly. It felt like a video game cutscene, which is exactly what you want. The only thing that felt missing was uh, 
they, the lack of Johnny Cage. I'm hoping for the sequel. The Miz really wants to play Johnny Cage, and I think that'd be perfect. I'd be, I'd be down. That would honestly like fit in so well, like with what they've set up. Like, why not? Might as well make it more cheesy because that's uh, that was the fun of the original. Yeah, it's a very flawed movie, but I had fun. Uh, Ryan the Last Dragon, I think, um, had a lot of like, uh oh, had had a lot of potential. I think Kelly Marie Tran is really good. Uh, in the movie, I think uh, I think she gets way too much hate post Last Jedi. I think Kelly Marie Tran is a very talented actress. The Last Jedi was not her fault. No, not at all. I found um, Aquafina. She didn't really work for me in this movie. She worked a lot better in a movie I saw later on in the year. Yeah, it had some neat visuals. Wasn't the worst Disney animated movie. And then we have Ghostbusters Afterlife. I talked about this extensively on the M2J2 project, which. Uh, you could check out. I will say this movie, I think, is straight up offensive. Whoa. The way they use the Ghostbusters property, I think, is... Gross. Yes. Spoilers for Ghostbusters Afterlife, but the way they bring back the character who unfortunately passed away, I think, was just... Oh, my God. The worst thing they could have done. When you see his hand with the, uh, whatever the weapon's called. I'm sorry, I don't care about Ghostbusters. Proton pack, you fuck. <laughs> like, that's all you need to show. Like, cut from there, but they decide to do the whole CGI, and I just think it was, just didn't sit right for me. And I think for that, it's, uh, it's gonna have to go in the ugly, because it was straight up ugly. Oh, interesting. What? Well, no, actually, it should go in the bad. It's bad. <laughs> oh, okay. The worst part about that CGI recreation of Harold Ramis is that Harold Ramis didn't look like that when he got old. Yeah, exactly. They took what he looked like in the original Ghostbusters movies, gave him a beard and some wrinkles, and then just fucking put him there. And it's like, that is not what he looked like even a little bit. Also, it feels extremely offensive to just recreate a dead guy to pander to fans of the original. Like, that is just disgusting. Was the target demographic, though, even fans of the original? Because, like, I would make a case that what they were trying to do with Ghostbusters was make it for a new generation. I don't think it knew what it wanted to be. That's fair. That's fair. I'm not really a Ghostbusters fan. Like, I don't hate it at all, but I didn't grow up with it, and I didn't really care. And I watched the first two movies, like, the day before, and... Uh, I ended up seeing Afterlife in theaters. I was not offended by anything other than it did not have the same feel. They were not going for the like... Felt like Stranger Things. Uh, I wouldn't say it felt like Stranger Things. It's just they had way too much drama in it and it was drawn out too long. The, the director of this movie directed like one of my favorite movies of all time and Thank You for Smoking. And none of that smart, fast humor is in this movie. You're right, Alden. It's uh... That's what I'm saying. It's like the, the ability was there. It just didn't happen. Ghostbusters Afterlife and the all-female reboot of Ghostbusters Busters each have things that the original has and they each do them poorly but they also both get something right like ghostbusters afterlife gets the imagery right and like the 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 energy of like the universe but not like the the feel of the movie whereas like the all-female ghostbusters reboot actually understands what the original is which is like a a comedy it's a comedy about exterminators who are doing this fantastical thing. And that's the funny part is that it's like they're treating, you know, something as bombastic as fighting ghosts as like, ah, we're going to, let's go, let's go do this. It's like a blue collar job. 
And Ghostbusters Afterlife dismisses all of that and takes it super seriously and treats the Ghostbusters like these mythical, like, like figures. And it's gross because, like, that's not what this is. And it treats it so poorly. All right, Josh, back to the topic at hand. Which is the better movie, Mortal Kombat or Raya the Last Dragon? It's definitely Mortal Kombat. Raya the Last Dragon doesn't have enough going for it. What? It's too irrelevant. I forgot it even was released this year. I don't think the Disney Plus model helped this movie at all. No. I think they probably would have been better waiting to release this in like November or whatever when theaters had a little bit more of a pulse. And judging by the other animated movies that came out in like November and stuff, to me, I haven't seen Encanto either. It looks like a slightly stronger movie than Encanto. It is. You know, there's just kind of this like push and pull for Disney kind of fighting for itself come awards season this year, which is silly because I don't think they're gonna win this year either i think it's probably gonna be like mitchell's versus the machines or that um there's that foreign language documentary that's presented via animation now luca um i think luca's gonna get snubbed it came out way too early and uh it wasn't a very well-reviewed pixar movie yeah i think luca is the best out of rye the last dragon luca and Encanto. oh by far R- uh, luca is the best pixar movie since like ratatouille or wally whoa that's a hot take i think i agree though it's my turn i gotta spin the wheel of the worst <laughs> <laughs> my first movie that i'm talking about from last year oh good 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 It's Kong vs. Godzilla. Nice. A movie I have a lot to say about. A lot. Some of it's gonna have to be cut. (laughs) Cool. My next movie is... Okay, Spiral. Kind of forgot you came out this year until I was looking it up, but uh, I I could formulate a take here. Uh, Yeah, I think Spiral is the first movie I saw in theaters. Oh yeah, I think it was. Oh, since the start of the pandemic, Spiral was the first one you saw in theaters? I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. Me and Alden saw it like opening night. I haven't seen this movie. And I think it would just be me bullying it if I talked about it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the Eternals, both uh, seeing the movie and talking about it right now. Have any of us seen it? Uh, and yeah, Fast Nine: The Fast Saga, maybe the worst title in the entire franchise. What a trio of movies. <laughs> These are like three mediocre movies, in my opinion. Wow. I'm gonna do this now, up front. The movie of these three that I'm least likely to ever watch again is F9, The Fast Saga. I don't think that this was an inherently bad entry in the Fast and the Furious franchise. I think it was better than Fate of the Furious and uh, about as good as Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, it was better to see the whole family together again than it was to just see the two standouts of recent movies uh kind of doing their own thing fighting black superman i mean it's so whatever it's so forgettable i remember when they released the trailer for this movie it was like seven minutes long and (laughs) they showed like the three best scenes of the whole movie in the trailer and uh, the movies just aren't for me uh at least like fast and the furious uh six through nine now i just they all are one movie i definitely had more fun with hobbs and shaw it sucks because fast five is so good like from an action movie standpoint it's like low-key one of the best action movies of the 2010s or 2000s whenever it came out is f9 the one where the car swings across the canyon Yep. Anyway, I've also got Spiral and Kong versus Godzilla here. Uh, I mean, I know which one of these I'm going to watch next. I'm going to rewatch Kong versus Godzilla before I rewatch Spiral. That being said, I, I don't think Spiral was particularly a good movie, but I, I like that it took 
the Saw universe and tried to tell like a different story. I think that approach to continuing like tired franchises is better than just doing like, you know, the 10th Saw movie where it's the same thing as The Last of Nine. Like, I at least appreciate this movie for trying to bring characters to it. However, the twist at the end and the guy that they have playing Jigsaw, <laughs> awful. <laughs> One of the worst recasts ever. They literally should have just gone with Tobin Bell again. Like, it doesn't matter that he's older and this is supposed to be, like, earlier in this. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it it's, it's Saw. Sounds like Tobin Bell's coming back. I keep hearing about a rumored, like reboot or something yeah so i guess spiral was like somewhat mixed reviews and financially successful but they were like yeah no we're going back to the we're going back to the drawing board and just doing the same shit again which kind of like defeats my purpose for elevating spiral here but my god i can't think of a more disappointing movie than i saw this year than kong versus godzilla i wasn't expecting anything out of this more than like king of monsters like i thought that that movie was fine you got a bunch of cool action set pieces with monsters fighting there's a boring like human subplot but in king of monsters i didn't find it distracting yeah what the fuck were they thinking in kong versus godzilla giving an hour of screen time to the annoying kid from uh hunt of the wilder people in deadpool 2 millie bobby brown and some random guy that was supposed to be played by the angry video game nerd <laughs> james rolf was too busy and they made it some annoying podcast guy who like is essentially alex jones in this universe and is just like really into hollow earth theory and is like trying to like red pill like a bunch of children who listen to his podcast and now they're going on a journey to the center of the earth and don't show me any of that the best scenes of this movie are in the first hour the the battleship scene with kong versus godzilla on the water is the only part of that movie that works for me everything else is cringe i knew mechagodzilla was going to show up in this movie and the way that they did that was so bad and the worst part of all of this is i felt like since the first godzilla movie we were building to this but i have no interest in seeing what comes out next in this monsterverse skull island is one of my favorite blockbusters of the last 10 years and this doesn't work as a follow-up to that at all this doesn't work as a follow-up to godzilla 2015 and this doesn't even work as a follow-up to godzilla king of monsters for me this is the worst movie movie in that four movie franchise by a ton if you told me in the beginning of the year that i was gonna have more fun in fast nine than kong versus godzilla i would have said you were crazy but i did the only reason i want to put kong versus godzilla in ugly as opposed to bad is because i think the few scenes we get of godzilla versus kong fighting i felt the scope of the monsters like they're bigger than they've ever been before portrayed in screen the action sequences are pretty good that they didn't hide too much of the special effects in dark like they did with king of monsters which is something that doesn't really bother me but you actually get to see the scope of these things and it doesn't look like pacific rim uprising where it's literally like a playstation 2 video game of these characters fighting in like a a wasteless city like there's actually some scope to the action sequences here and i, I would probably watch it again i will say with this monsterverse and with ghostbusters from a quote-unquote podcaster I think it's time we stop trying to put podcasters in movies because every time we do, it's the most cringe part of the movie. Or cast podcasters as podcasters. That's true. Yeah, I want to see Joe Rogan in a movie as a podcaster. 
Ew, 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 ew. Didn't wasn't Joe Rogan in uh, Bright? I hope not, but I knew he was in Zookeeper. <laughs> he was in Here Comes the Boom. The podcast guy, um, Brian, whatever his name is, I think he was in four movies this year. I mean, so was Zendaya. You're going to disagree with me, but I think that Kong vs. Godzilla is more entertaining to watch than King of the Monsters. When I watched these movies, like this, this like franchise, I'm ignoring the human subplot because I'm expecting that to be fucking dog shit anyways. I'm looking for the action. And it really does bug me when they shroud the action and the huge monsters in darkness and rain and lightning. That's one of my major problems with one of the ending sequences in No Way Home. A lot of it is shrouded in darkness and like flashing lights and stuff that like where you can't see what's going on. Kong versus Godzilla, all the fights take place in like light. Like you can see what's happening. And I fucking love that because I didn't go to Kong versus Godzilla to see Millie Bobby Brown or whatever. I But it was half the movie. It was more than half the movie. There are three fight scenes with Kong and Godzilla. And like, I felt like at least in King of the Monsters, the human characters guided us to the next, like the next scene, like to like witness the conflict and they're following the monsters the whole time. And then this one, it's like the human characters are just stumbling into these giant fight scenes and spilling whiskey on a computer to ruin Mecha Godzilla. No, you're right. You're right. You know, I feel the same way about Kong versus Godzilla that I do about Captain America's Civil War. The price of admission for Civil War is the airport fight. The price of admission for Kong for Godzilla is the the fight between Kong and Godzilla, Mecha Godzilla, the fight on the boats. Like that's what you're here for. Or the the deaf girl who can I, I liked her a lot. She should have been the focus of the whole movie. That's amazing. Like I love that stuff. And for me, that stuff overshadows all the bad. Just because I, I find that stuff entertaining. That's fair, and that's why Kong versus Godzilla is an ugly instead of bad. Thank you, John. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Speaking of which, it is your turn to go for round two. Your first movie is what is that power of the dog uh the benedict cumberbatch movie right this is the uh, dog's purpose sequel starring benedict cumberbatch no i'm just kidding that's uh <laughs> <laughs> did you see coming to america i did all right, last night in Soho. I know you saw this one. Oh man, we all saw this one together, actually. Yeah, yeah. That was an experience. And your third and final movie for this round is. Come on, big money, big money, big money. Uh, this is the biggest money on the list, in my opinion. Have you seen Licorice Pizza? I know you haven't. I haven't. How can I talk about this movie? I'm sure it's good. You can pass on it. Are you sure? I thought we only have one re-roll. I don't want to fuck this up. I, it doesn't really matter. I'd, I'd rather people be able to talk about everything. Okay, because like I know you've seen Licorice Pizza. I want to hear your take on it. Hopefully I'll get the chance. If not, we will talk about the movies that are on this list that we haven't had the opportunity to talk about. But uh, Maligma? I know you've seen this one. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this movie like three times <laughs> it's so wild to me that this is one of the most relevant movies of the year for me because <laughs> it really is not worth it all right so your three movies are last night in soho coming to america and malignant okay i uh i already know what i'm gonna do for this but i'm mad that these movies are paired up this way because i don't really like any of them <laughs> uh coming to america is definitely bad rip it's so bad <laughs> It's, the first one is like funny and like clever. This one is like trying to do like a heartfelt thing, but also try and like subvert the genre. It doesn't take place mostly in New York. Like the first one, it's like they create their own version of Wakanda and that's where it happens. Uh, the first movie has the fake Wakanda 
30 years before Black Panther, but go off, King. No, but the most of the movie takes place in New York, and the joke is Eddie Murphy being, like, a, an African king, like, not knowing anything about American customs. That's the joke. Yes, 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 yes. In Coming to America, you don't get that at all. Pretty much like a, almost like a family comedy drama like where it's like interactions between these characters that you kind of know not a single point in this movie made me laugh at all and it looked incredibly cheap and the plot is incredibly flimsy so i yeah that's bad bad movie not good now this is where it gets upsetting because i have to put one of these in good and i think both of them deserve ugly i agree um but i'm curious as to see which one of these you think is better so malignant feels like a parody of horror movies it feels like it's a joke um i think i saw this on red letter media or something but they talked about uh how the house looks really small on the outside and then you go to the inside and it's like four times the size on the inside and it's like it's literally like every other interior in a james wan movie ever exactly and it's like i know that it's not ironic but it feels like it's trying to be ironic like trying to make jokes about james wan movies i think the movie is a little more self-aware than i think people give it credit for you think so you think that this you think I definitely think so, yes. Because I don't I don't think so. I don't think Malignant even is a little bit self-aware. I think that it's a genuine attempt at creating a horror movie. There's no way the third act of that movie is a genuine attempt at making a horror movie. That third act sold me that the first two, they didn't really care about the quality. It's like the best quarantine project that was made by a major Hollywood director, in my opinion. Uh, it's smaller scale, but anyway, go off, King. What do you think of the acting? Oh my god, I love how uh, James Wan's girlfriend is in it and she just has way too many lines. <laughs> <laughs> she just has way too much to do and say. Like, it's, it's so over... And she's, like, acting like a character from, like, a cop sitcom. Uh, she, she, she actually reminds me of a very specific character from Lucifer. And then the villain in this movie is a twin that the main character, I guess, what, absorbed in utero and then broke out of her skull from the... <laughs> from the back okay and then you've got last night in soho which has some major pacing problems and some weird cgi that's going on that doesn't look great but it has some interesting concepts some of the moments actually made me very uncomfortable uh there were some moments in it that like actually worked as a horror movie but the pacing is dog shit and the ending is a little wild it's just kind of all over the place, which I don't know why I expected anything different. I mean, this this was his first outing for a horror movie. Um, he's never done anything like Edgar Wright. He's never done anything like this. Expected him to just be good at everything, but uh, I, I put too much faith in him. I appreciate that he tried something new. I really do. I think I think too many directors get like too comfortable, and we could get like five more like buddy movies. I'm gonna put Last Night in Soho in good. Even though it's not good, but it is better than Malignant. Honestly, the fact that we're able to have a debate about like whether we think that it's self-aware or not just proves to me that it's not good. If, if we knew that it was self-aware, it would go in good immediately. But I there's no evidence, like no actual tangible evidence that I have at my fingertips to prove that it is self-aware of how ridiculous and nonsensical it is. That's fair. All right. It is now on to Alden. Are you ready? I suppose I am. Your first movie of this round is House of Gucci. Did you see it? No, I didn't. Do you want to talk about it? Not really, no. Your, your first movie is Cruella. <laughs> two for two. 
You didn't see Cruella? What the hell? This was this year's Joker, bro. How'd you miss it? <laughs> Probably why I didn't see it when 13 different people told me it was just Joker. The Joker wears Prada. No, it's Alden's Joker. That's the difference. Oh, maybe I should have seen it. <laughs> yeah, you would have liked it. Did you see Jungle Cruise? <laughs> no. These are all the movies I saw. Yeah, that would have been a great round for Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Good, you got no sudden move. Finally, finally, something you added to the list that I forgot came out this year. Alden Kino. Uh, I love this movie. Tom and Jerry. Did you see this one? I did, yeah. Oh, good. This should be interesting. Well, like movies, I just expect all the deceits now. All right. And Willy's Wonderland. I know you saw this one, too. So there you go. Good luck. It's like the Alden trilogy. Oh, man. This is like the shit that only Alden saw. <laughs> Tom and Jerry, no sudden move in Willy's Wonderland. Let's hear it, Alden. Um, all right. Well, I know what my good is. It's no sudden move. I agree. I, yeah, I really like that movie. I really like pretty much the entire cast. I think some of them were underutilized, but um, David Arbor was in there, right? I liked his character being completely against any type that I've seen him in. Yeah, he puts in a pretty decent performance in this. Yeah. Tom and Jerry in Willy's Wonderland, though. I had a lot of fun with Willy's Wonderland but it sucks. It's so bad. Nick Cage says like nothing in the whole movie. He grunts. So it's like Mandy, but bad? Yes. It repeats the same scene like five times. It's stylish Mandy. Mandy has no substance. Mandy's not about anything. It's just a revenge movie with a lot of really cool visuals. Willy's Wonderland is like a movie that was shot for like a couple thousand dollars. They couldn't pay Nicolas Cage enough to learn lines. And then they just like shot it in the most typical way. Some mediocre creature effects and bad action sequencing for 90 minutes. I like how the Chuck E. Cheese that they, they, they shoot in, which isn't a Chuck E. Cheese, is literally just a room. It's just a room and they literally, they, they put, they bought like foldable tables and like, like <laughs> they just bought foldable <laughs> tables and just like a bunch of random shit like that doesn't look anything like if a kid was in this place with the lights on, they'd be like, am I about to get murdered here? Like a child would be like, I'm going to get murdered here. This is not a Chuck E. Cheese. This is where I go to die. I enjoyed this. I watched it with a bunch of people over Discord at the beginning of the year. It was a lot of fun. But Tom and Jerry like this, this isn't a bad Tom and Jerry movie. It was a nice, like, I guess, live action CGI a cat and mouse movie, but it's... Tom and Jerry were like 2D, right? Ish. I mean, 3D animated, but 2D designed. Yeah, the closest we're going to get to 2D these days. Probably. I feel like this Tom and Jerry is fucking worthless. I mean, I don't disagree, but it doesn't feel too far out of place to be a Tom and Jerry movie. I just hate that they did the thing that they always do with animated live action adaptations where, oh, they're in New York every fucking live actions i mean i guess every like cartoon character that gets adapted into live action has to go to new york coming to america clifford clifford <laughs> smurfs sonic oh yeah enchanted perfected that genre of characters going to new york enchanted is kino <laughs> I, I think i'm going to say tom and jerry is bad and willie's wonderland is ugly i think willie's wonderland is is self-aware enough that it's like it's it's a fun watch. You should definitely watch it with people, though. While you're drinking. It's a mess, but it's a fun one. All right, Josh, you ready to put your uh, your your wheel in motion? 
think the only movie I put five stars on Letterboxd this year was ironically Corella. <laughs> uh, did anyone see Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard? No. Dude, Ryan Reynolds had three movies this year. <laughs> oh, good. You get to talk about reminiscence. You just asked about this. You're going to have to try to reminisce reminiscence. Yeah, I'm going to have to go in the tank. Try to remember what the hell this movie's about. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go in that memory tank. The Snyder Cut. (laughs) (laughs) The longest commentary track we will ever do. This is for you, Jory. Are we doing a commentary track on the Snyder Cut? We already did, and I will never watch that movie again. (laughs) Disappointed I wasn't a part of that. I accidentally ended up watching two hours of the black and white version. It's not good. Like, if I'm comparing it to, to Mad Max, like the black and chrome version or whatever, that one's really good. It looks incredible in black and white, but the Snyder Cut just looks terrible in black and white. Oh, I'm definitely talking about No Time to Die. Okay, three movies. All right, you've got Reminiscence, The Justice League, The Snyder Cut, and No Time to Die. Good, bad, and ugly. So Reminiscence, if I remember correctly, is directed by Christopher Nolan's wife, I think. When you see the trailer and stuff, it's very Nolan-ish, and... uh I didn't really know what to expect from it. Well, I expected to be Boneless Inception. And I kind of got Boneless Inception. Spoilers for Reminiscence. It's pretty much just a noir with uh, Rebecca Ferguson out here having uh, one of the worst performances I saw all year and one of the best in Dune. So that was funny. Hugh Jackman's just walking around looking confused the whole movie. He's doing his best Harrison Ford from Blade Runner impression. It's such a nothing movie. It's not terrible. Like, it's not the worst movie I saw this year or anything, but it's so bland and forgettable. It's It's got to go in the bad for me. So we got the Snyder Cut and uh, No Time to Die. If the cards played right, the Snyder Cut could be in the good. But I think No Time to Die, even the opening scene alone, it's one of the best Bond opening scenes. It gives a fitting movie for Daniel Craig if it's his last movie. Never say never. I'm pretty sure it is that that there's one scene in this movie that almost solidifies the (laughs) fact that it's his last movie (laughs) i thought no time to die was much better than i thought it was gonna be and the amount of delays like i mean now i could see why one um i could see why they kept delaying the movie because it is a really good bond movie and it deserved to get as much attention as it should and have people see it in a safe uh in a safe way So I really respect the studio, actually, for delaying it at an appropriate time. So No Time to Die, I think, is in the good. Me and Jory, I guess, were the Snyder Cut defenders in that commentary. I don't think I like the movie as much as Jory, but as a Zack Snyder, I guess, hater on the show, I definitely liked it a lot more than Dawn of Justice or Man of Steel. I know some people on the panel like Man of Steel. I'm not a Man of Steel guy. The Snyder Cut was just so much better than the original cut. It definitely... um, deserves that perspective when you compare it with uh the mess that the justice league movie was so i think for that it belongs in the in the ugly i think it it fits so well in ugly because there's like certain scenes in that movie where i'm like dude i really wish that they just gave snyder full creative control with all of these dc movies and didn't have any studio involvement because that age of heroes flashback scene where dark side is fighting like all the old earth heroes that was the best eight minutes in a superhero movie in probably 20 years yeah that was better than any action sequence in infinity war or endgame but then there's two hours of exposition before and after that with a bunch of media 
mediocre acting. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> Going back to No Time to Die, though, um, I think that it is probably the second or third best Daniel Craig Bond movie. No, I agree. Uh, obviously, Casino Royale is at the top. I'm actually excited to watch this movie again because I, it could go either way. I, I might like it a little less, but I might like it more and more with each watch where it could become a number two or even a number one. It's a really good Bond movie. I took time to watch every single Bond movie in order. I watched all of them. Uh, I've seen now every single one of them. And so watching No Time to Die. And no Time to Die has such a great uh, supporting cast. Yes, it does. It's got a great supporting cast. The only the only thing that I can say that I don't really care for of No Time to Die is that it, it's a little long. And it, and you can feel that in some places. Yeah. I also don't think Rami Malek overstayed his welcome as the villain either. I was really worried about that, especially after Spectre. Yeah. 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 That whoever the villain of this movie was was going to be too much of a focal point. And like, I guess like the implications and the conflict are there. But like, he's not too over the top and he doesn't have that much screen time. Like he's a threat, but he's not like... It's not like James Bond's biggest threat ever. It's not like they're trying to one-up themselves. The fact that James Bond dies in the end is the most bold thing ever done in a Bond movie. They've literally never killed him before. That's never happened in a Bond movie. It's always either been a fake out or it just never happens. The fact that they chose to do that at the end of this movie, not only is a great send off for his character because Daniel Craig's character has been through so much and they document that really well. Like he has a lot of emotional depth. I was on the edge of my seat like the entire time in the theater. I, I cannot sing enough praises about this movie. Um, so I think that this is definitely the best way to do good ugly and bad for for these three movies i don't know i really like no time to die yeah it's definitely going in the good i think for the snyder cut the best way to watch it is if you're british and you have one frame per second more than the rest of us <laughs> <laughs> these are the last three movies we're talking about ranking today they, the society really wants me to talk about the eternals and i'm not strong enough <laughs> <laughs> all right manny saints of newark i can talk about this <laughs> this is the tony soprano origin movie uh rewatched the sopranos this year uh in anticipation for the many saints in newark and then watched this and uh i've got takes i guess the rest of the, ne the next two movies are really going to determine a lot here because i could see it in all three categories i didn't see Encanto yet just re-roll it i mean it's it's Josh, was Encanto good? You hate animated movies and you got dragged to seeing this. Was it any, was it decent? It's all right. The concept of it is very cool. Like the, I like that the different like family members have these like superpowers and that. Like, I like that. I like a, that it's a Disney movie that has like these family members with these special abilities, but they're not superheroes. They're literally just this family that like came to this place and like takes care of the village. Like, that whole idea is a super original thing to do these days when they could have easily made it into something more um something more like formulaic that's about where it that's about all the good after that it's just ah eh. okay cool well i'm glad i'm not talking about it because i got pig instead uh pig's a movie i could talk about nice i like this movie I'm glad i'm getting the opportunity and the platform to talk about it pig deserves recognition oh boy have you seen free guy i have you saw free guy Sorry to hear that. I did. 
We warned you. So here it is, Free Guy, Pig, and Many Saints of Newark. This is a pretty weird three movies, I'm not gonna lie, because I feel like they're three different tiers of movie. I feel like Pig is kind of this like little art house indie movie, and I mean, my tastes definitely align more with that. Many Saints of Newark is a prequel to a very, very, very popular television series, probably one of the best of all time. Uh, that also did not just straight up did not need to be made. Uh, but with the original writer, director and showrunner coming back to make it, I was curious and fascinated. And the fact that they cast um, James Gandolfini's son to play a younger version of Tony Soprano, I was like, I'm going to see this movie. It's not as good of a movie as Pig. I mean, it's very, very, very dependent on you at least being familiar with most of The Sopranos. And if you just went into The Many Saints of Newark and watched it for its own thing, I I mean, it, it was made specifically as a continuation of the show in some capacity, but the the presentation of it felt like a made-for-TV movie entirely. In fact, it felt like a pilot to a new series, and everything about the movie felt very episodic, and it felt like I was just waiting for the theme song to start, and then we'd get five more episodes, uh, and we didn't. This was just one really, really long, like, three-part Sopranos prequel, and I don't think the casting was exactly what it needed to be, uh, especially for, like, major ensemble characters on the show as younger versions some of them were just doing like straight up bad impressions of these like you know italian american character actors and it was borderline offensive that was ray liotta in it uh, ray liotta plays two characters in the movie oh my and god one of them is like the hollywood version of the other guy and the other guy's a guy who sold out and and gave his like uh story to the mob so he's like kind of playing like a henry hill type character like i like that he's like the han solo like type in the trailer where he's like the big reveal at the end like it's i'm like okay ray leoden another but i will say i got a lot of entertainment value out of many saints in newark i didn't think it was a great movie but i i would watch it again i've already seen it twice like it's it's good it's fun but it's not like great it's not a masterpiece it's kind of cringe that it exists so okay I feel like the direct comparison to the Many Saints of New York would be El Camino. Yes. Wouldn't wouldn't also a comparison be the Entourage movie? Kind of. We don't talk about that. Why? It's the better series finale. The Many Saints of New York, as you said, doesn't really work well if you haven't if you're not familiar with uh, uh, Sopranos. And same thing with El Camino. If you haven't seen Breaking Bad, then El Camino is going to be like an okay movie for you, but you're really not going to understand anything that's going on. How does it compare to El Camino? Because I haven't seen many scenes in Newark and I've only seen a little bit of Sopranos. I think that you're better off watching Many Saints of Newark not having seen The Sopranos than you are watching El Camino and not watching Breaking Bad. Really? Yes, because all the actions of Many Saints of Newark take place before the show. So if this is your introduction to the world, it's going to be really weird because you're going to miss a lot of dramatic irony. You're going to miss a lot of context as to why things are happening or what the implications of things happening mean. But at least you're seeing at the beginning in chronological order, whereas in El Camino, you're watching the end of a character arc with none of the beginning. 
except a couple of flashbacks that are really odd and ominous. Uh, so I think you're better, and, and I think I think that's the one of the few things that does work about the Many Saints of Newark. It probably excited a lot of people that hadn't seen The Sopranos enough to actually go back and watch the show. What's good about it being a prequel is if you hate it, whatever. It's, it's, it doesn't really affect anything. What if you've seen The Sopranos and Breaking Bad? Then how does it compare if you do have the context? If you do have the context, I think El Camino is better as an epilogue than many saints of newark is as a prequel or as a prologue so it's like a double-edged sort of sword right there they have a lot of the same problems they both look relatively cheap and they have a lot of like continuity errors within like the cast and things like that i do think though many saints of newark is more ambitious in terms of uh trying to interweave a bunch of plot lines and a bunch of things that this thing almost sets up an entire season of a show in terms of things that it leaves open-ended that aren't resolved in the amount of time it takes to get to The Sopranos. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw like two or three more movies or maybe a season of a television show, like a miniseries or something, to kind of like tie up loose ends uh, if there's going to be more of this. And David Chase has already said he's going to make more Sopranos content. So whatever the hell that means, that sounds ominous to me. I'm kind of scared. <laughs> if that's what he wants to do, then I hopefully it gets better from here because this movie's not bad but it's definitely ugly and i think i've proven that by how much i've talked about it uh free guy is not worth anyone's time i cannot believe that this movie is getting as much appreciation as it is and made as much money as it did um from its inception this movie looked like a worse version of the lego movie but live action i don't know how that sold people and i watched the movie and it was actually even dumber than that yeah this movie was like a waterboarded version of the matrix meets the lego movie with a really really terrible performance from ryan reynolds yeah this is a guy who has played the same character in just about everything ever uh since deadpool i mean like his character in red notice is literally just breaking the fourth wall and being quippy it drives me insane that ryan reynolds gets all these movies and has never been in a good one or a great one free guy was bad it should feel bad i can't believe this movie made money and it scares me that it did i agree scares me that so many people like it i would rather people shill a marvel movie than free guy because at least a marvel movie there's uh people that care enough about it to where there's a fan base any fan base for the movie free guy is is brain dead the fact that they use like youtubers and streamers and like clips of this movie in the climax literally is something out of ready player one i think that free guy is just a worse ready player one and i was expecting a worse lego movie <laughs> i i'm the kind of guy who when i watch a movie with with like friends and family, I will point out like, you know, like things that I noticed in it. Like I would point out that I recognize the streamers and YouTubers they use in Free Guy, but I was watching with my dad and I saw all these like creators that I see on YouTube that I recognize and I kept my mouth zipped because I didn't want to like reveal that I knew who these people were because it's so terrible and embarrassing and cringy that they were even in the fucking movie. <laughs> Josh, what did Javon say? What did he say not to watch and to watch Free Guy instead? Oh, to not watch The Suicide Squad. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> this guy works at a movie theater, too. This was the worst movie I have seen this year. Damn. The absolute worst. Probably the worst in the last four years. It's definitely in my bottom five. It was so bad and so annoying, and there's one good scene in it, and it gets ruined. 
I gotta say, there's a lot of movies that we didn't get to that I'm very upset we didn't get to talk about. Well, we will talk about them after we rank them, but now's the time in the show where we separate the good, the bad, and the ugly into their own little lists and rank all the bad ones, all the ugly ones, and all the good ones. But here's the additional twist that I uh, hinted at earlier. Mm. Ready. The ugly category can either go above good or below bad or in the middle. It can swap around. So if there's a movie that you really like that's an ugly, you might be campaigning for the ugly tier to go over good. But if you hate everything that's an ugly, you might want it to go under bad. First things first, we've got the bad. We've got Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, Red Notice, Ghostbusters Afterlife, F9, The Fast Saga, Coming to America, Tom and Jerry, Reminiscence, and Free Guy. What is the worst movie out of all of these? Free Guy. Ghostbusters. Josh, you sound like the tiebreaker here. My brain's saying Free Guy, but my heart's saying that I was offended with Ghostbusters more. Free Guy doesn't make me angry to watch. So, like, Free Guy, like, the whole, like, like the whole campaign for it was, like, oh, it's an, it's an original IP, da-da-da-da-da. Fucking spoiler alert for Free Guy. The climax of the movie, um, they use a Marvel reference, a Star Wars reference. There's references throughout the movie. You can't like, you can't sit brag about your original IP while relying on these other IPs or casting Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, <laughs> typecasting Ryan Reynolds. Ghostbusters Afterlife though bastardizes the property. I am not offended by it. I enjoy Ghostbusters Afterlife. Like, I wouldn't say I like it more than the originals or anything, but it's it's not a bad movie to me. Ghostbusters Afterlife offends the estate of Harold Ramis, and I think Free Guy just insults its audience. So, like, which one's worse? I think the worst one is the one that bastardizes an entire property and then also, like, resurrects a dead man, but resurrects him in a way that doesn't actually look like him and uses his likeness for something that isn't actually, like, something that he probably would have signed on off on because Harold Ramis was a genius writer and wrote some really funny movies. And then all of a sudden they resurrect him in this dog shit fucking bullshit piece of shit like dramatic retelling of the original movie where they take like ideas from the original movie that were supposed to be bullshit and nonsense like Gozer and the terror dogs and the and the um the state puff marshmallow man Josh Gad is in Ghostbusters they're supposed to be bullshit nonsense on on purpose because it's funny but then they take it seriously and they treat it seriously and that's disgusting and then on top of that they resurrect Harold Ramis which is gross because he would hate this movie he would Bill Murray is a god Bill Murray knows damn well that Harold Ramis would have hated this movie. And for sure, I guess when you're offered that amount of money to literally just be a glorified cameo version of yourself, then take it. But dude, I, I agree on principle. That element of Ghostbusters Afterlife is more offensive than anything in Free Guy. Free Guy is just a bad movie that people like for no reason. Yeah. Next probably goes Red Notice. No, Free Guy goes next. No, Free Guy's already next. I Fr Yeah, Free Guy's number 23. Is Red Notice a better Ryan Reynolds performance than Free Guy? Yes. But tell me why Red Notice is better than uh or is worse than Tom and Jerry. No, t Tom and Jerry's not that bad. Red no Red Notice is worse than Tom and Jerry. I'm saying that Red Notice is possibly better than Conjuring 3. Actually, actually, this is between Conjuring and Coming to America for me, because both of those are equally horrible. I didn't see Coming to America. I would rather have Eddie Murphy keep making movies. Let's not, let's not, 
let's not make the guy disappear for another 10 years again. Yeah, I want a coming three America rather than Red Notice 2. And Red Notice 2 is already greenlit. Yeah. So is Free Guy 2. I'd rather rewatch Conjuring 3 than watch Coming to America again. I don't know. I actually didn't hate Coming to America. I really love the original and I think that this movie was a bad sequel, but I thought that the characters more or less stayed true to who they were after the events of the first movie. Like, this feels like these characters left off where they were 30 years before, and I think them expanding upon the made-up country that he's from uh, was, like, a lot of fun. Like, I didn't want to see them hit the same beats uh, going back to New York, and they they were smart enough to put some of the plot in New York so they could go visit the barbershop guys again, and the really weird preacher guys back, and and you really get to see Antonio Hall, who also hasn't done a movie in a long ass time, and Eddie Murphy play these bit characters and these like prosthetics and costumed characters again, which for me was a great comedic showcase because I thought Dolomite is my name was a great comeback movie for Eddie Murphy. I think he was robbed of an Academy Award nomination for that performance but this from the same director felt like oh eddie murphy might be a little bit older but he still got those comedic chops yeah all of my problems with coming to america too are the uh characters that they add into the movie that weren't in the original the original bones of that movie work just fine and they should have had more confidence in them wesley snipes was really funny in the movie i thought that he was good as the antagonist who's trying to get his bloodline intertwined with eddie murphy's to rule more of the the continent and stuff like that like this movie wasn't absolutely terrible i wasn't offended by this movie and i thought it cared enough about its source material where it's not an offensively bad sequel it's just generic and a little bland i think that tom and jerry is okay i think it's kind of similar where it doesn't do anything offensive to the source material but it's nothing that's going to stand out conjuring 3 is by far the worst main series conjuring movie and is worse than the nun and is worse than one of the annabelle movies that's offensive to call this movie conjuring 3 the devil made me do it especially with how much the second one elevated the characters from the first conjuring movie I genuinely care about Ed and Lorraine Warren by the end of the second movie, even if I think true based on a true story shit is is way overblown in the second one. They do that to the nth degree in the third one and then don't develop the characters any further. It is one of the worst sequels of the year, hands down. Conjuring 3 Devil Made Me Do It is funnier than Coming to America. <laughs> what? I don't know about that. <laughs> I agree. I think that that's the case. I'm glad you agree with yourself, but I laughed out loud to coming <laughs> to America multiple times. I'm glad you agreed with yourself. That's definitely going to be the YouTube tease in the beginning of the video. Uh, Josh Alden, what do you think goes here at number 22? Uh, Space Jam and New Legacy. Uh, damn straight. That would be under Free Guy, honestly. <laughs> I feel like even if Tom and Jerry wasn't that good, the fact that it was kind of 2D and still had some of the slapstick humor of the Tom and Jerry movies, I'd rather see more of those animated uh, 3D hybrid movies do more stuff like that, even if some of them aren't good, rather than uh, stupid horror sequels. All right, we're putting Conjuring 3 here, and if my defense for coming to america only gets it to 21 then i guess it only gets it to 21 but i wasn't offended by this movie as a big fan of the original that means the other four movies at the bottom of the list are reminiscence red notice tom and jerry and fast nine um can we please for the love of god put red notice under coming to america that's fine uh, i'm okay with that yeah 
Vin Diesel will be very happy with you, Nate, when The Rock's movie is below Fast 9. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, hey, Dom, if you're listening, <laughs> put me in the next Fast and the Furious. Why not? I'll take the paycheck. I can look like boneless Spider-Man for you. <laughs> the last few we have to talk about here for the, the bottom, or at least the bad, we got Fast 9. The Fast Saga, or F9, The Fast Saga, Tom and Jerry, and Reminiscence. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like all three of these movies are just bland. Yeah. I think Reminiscence should go here because it takes a really, really cool concept and some really awesome visuals and fucking shits all over it. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, like the visual of a uh, of what they tried to do with the city of Miami, I think it was, or New Orleans. Really cool. And no, I love that. I love the idea that like they're living in Miami, but it's like flooded, but like it's like a poverty stricken sort of place because that feels really real. 10, 20, 30 years or so. That, that could actually happen. Like, Miami could be flooded and people would still be living there. I I mean, it will actually happen. Global warming is irreversible at this point, in case anybody doesn't know. Yeah, in case you didn't see, don't look up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Reminiscence deserves to go here because it takes an amazing premise and some amazing actors and a cool script that got fucked up and ruined. I think Reminiscence would be really good as like an HBO Max series. What it instead does is just makes a, con- a confusing, convoluted, nonsense mess, and I hate it. F9, The Fast Saga, Tom and Jerry. <sighs> On principle, I think I like Tom and Jerry more than F9, not gonna lie. Based, but correct. I would rewatch Tom and Jerry before I see F9 again. Like, Tom and Jerry's nothing special. I like the cat and mouse game. I... I- big fan of tom and jerry and this isn't like a great movie by any means it's not even like sonic the hedgehog levels of good but it is at least tonally consistent i mean all right here's the thing though yeah i haven't seen tom and jerry but i want to elevate fast nine here because Ludacris and tyrese gibson going into space is definitely in the top five things that had me laughing in the theater this year (laughs) for that alone it's the perfect like bad movie like at least it gave me like a scene that i'll always remember the fact that they actually did it and that we joked about it for years that the fast franchise would do it i think is really funny the way han does come back they give justice for han like his arc that should have been its own movie that was the most interesting part of the movie that actually felt like a movie thing actually felt like a plot you sold me you brought out like the one memorable thing about the movie and elevated the whole thing for me good job (laughs) f9 the fast saga is uh the top of the bad movies of the year it's now time to rank the uglies we've got ron's gone wrong thunder force raya the last dragon kong versus godzilla malignant willie's wonderland justice league the snyder cut and the many saints of newark I think Ron's Gone Wrong goes here. I think Willy's Wonderland goes here. Thunder Force. These are all three very viable options. <laughs> Thunder Force is better than Willy's Wonderland. I can't say the same for uh, Ron's Gone Wrong just because I haven't seen it. I think this is between Willy's Wonderland and Ron's Gone Wrong because Thunder Force is at least a little funny. So is Ron's Gone Wrong. Thunder Force is in this era of just the unstoppable force that is cape shit in movie theaters. And the fact that Netflix is over here like, hey, we used to have Daredevil and all this cool superhero stuff. We we can't do that anymore. Let's make Thunder Force. I, I, I hear that. I, and I appreciate that. Willy's Wonderland is objectively the worst movie. I think we're elevating it because it's funny to watch. 
but it is not a good film in any sense of the word. It is definitely one of the like the cheapest and worst made movies on this entire bracket. I've seen a lot of like low budget movies recently and it's not actually bad. It is self-aware in what it's doing. I feel like the self-awareness that you're seeing you're reading into i don't think it's actually that self-aware i think that it i think it wants to be self-aware more than it's actually self-aware it sounds like yeah because it's got nicholas cage and it's it's it repeats the same scenes over and over and for that reason you want to see it as self-aware but it's not really is trying to do something and it fails on every level i don't know i mean it it failed for you but i enjoy it i enjoyed my time watching it multiple friends that watched it with me like they loved it that's a good point i mean at least there's an audience for willie's wonderland even if it is a cheap piece of garbage um and they did not care about writing it at all making a decent movie i can't think of a group of friends that are going to get together and watch thunder force together that's true that's true. I agree with that. If any friend group was going to do it, it was going to be us, and we we didn't even do it. Yeah. I haven't seen this movie, and it, it could be bad, but I feel like ever since Melissa McCarthy was nominated for the Academy Award, just as society, we've been taking her more seriously, and I feel like there's been less hate. And that's I guess that's what I hate about Thunder Force, is like I was really all in on the Melissa McCarthy redemption, and I feel like this kind of halted it for a little bit no no no. what's the word for for um little tiny animated characters that are meant to be cute you said it two weeks ago it's called a dibby yeah dibby that's it ron is a dibby uh versus um uh willie's wonderland versus ron's gone wrong uh i could also see like congress is godzilla or raya and the last dragon here i feel like these are no yeah i could place both of those right here Ryan the Last Dragon is probably better than Ron's Gone Wrong. I disagree. Are you joking? You guys didn't even see the movie. I saw Raya. I didn't see Ron's Gone Wrong, but Raya was really, really good. Like, it's underrated. as. I think the performances were good, but the story was just dry. I don't agree that Raya was really, really good, but it was fine. All right. I can complain about Willy's Wonderland, so should we just place that next? Yeah, it's yes. fine. Uh, I don't want to. Um. Well, then what are you nominating here, Alden? Kong versus Godzilla. That was so disappointing for me. It was probably the most disappointing movie of the year. It definitely was, but there's 20 minutes worth of interesting stuff there. There's not 20 minutes worth of interesting stuff in Willy's Wonderland. Or Thunder Force. Yeah, I'm pretty dead set on Willy's Wonderland going next. I mean, I'm sure you could... I I feel like the situation we had watching Kong versus Godzilla in... That was the best way to watch Kong versus Godzilla, and it still sucked. And doing the same thing with Willy's Wonderland still would have sucked. It would have sucked just as bad. The only difference is that I did it virtually. Like, which one would you rather watch? I would rather watch Willy's Wonderland again before I watch Kong vs. Godzilla. But realistically, I'd rather watch Kong Skull Island. Kong vs. Godzilla, the most disappointing movie of the year, is one spot over Thunder Force. (laughs) I'm ready for Willy's Wonderland to make it next me too the snyder cut is definitely better than willie's wonderland though (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the last few uglies we've got ron's gone wrong raya the last dragon malignant justice league the snyder cut and the many saints of newark ron's has to go here yeah i feel like ron's sticking out now i agree for that i kind of want to push for raya and the last dragon over ron's gone wrong but again i've seen like a third of both of these movies at best Raya, Malignant, Justice League, and Many Saints of New York have more value 
to people, the cinematic like space, as well as like pop culture than Ron's Gone Wrong does. Well, we're comparing two kids' movies as well. They don't have to be cinematic masterpieces to appeal to kids. Ron's Gone Wong is not gonna be remembered in 10 years. I think it's going to hold up better than Raya and the Last Dragon. It's not better than Raya and the Last Dragon, and... Coming from someone who didn't see it. Josh, interview time. What was the most painful or cringy scene in Raya and the Last Dragon? That they pretended the main characters were gay. Okay, yeah, I, uh, I think that's kind of sus. Well, the movie didn't even show that they were gay. Kelly Marie Tran had to say it in an interview after, which I think is very, very, uh, not cool. Yeah, Ryan the Last Dragon's going under. Sorry, Ron's Gone Wrong can go next. I just think Disney non-committing to, like, gay stuff is just so cringe at this point. Yeah, I'm all for, I am all for, like, Ryan the Last Dragon. Give us the representation. Yeah, I'm all for Ryan the Last Dragon to have two gay characters, but they did not show that to me classic disney too scared to be bold that's a fair that's a fair assessment raya really really did like do the whole like oh it's gonna be a gay movie but actually wasn't yeah disney's first gay character for the 11th year in a row i love it i just saw him in jungle cruise sweet so the top of the uh ugly category is malignant justice league the snyder cut and the many saints of newark these three genuinely feel like the ugly movies of the year these are all like the redheaded stepchildren of the year in my opinion <laughs> i'm gonna go against what you're probably gonna say nate i think that malignant needs to go here i think that justice league has more entertainment and rewatchability rewatchability value and I think Many States of Newark, for me, I haven't seen Many States of Newark, but for me, it's between Malignant and Many States of Newark. I think Snyder Cut really, really, really improves on the original movie and is super rewatchable. Uh, it's, it's very fun to watch. There's lots of really good action in it. There's lots of really good fun hero interactions. There's lots of cringy stuff. It goes on for too long. It shouldn't be fucking four hours long, but it, it, it... I guess that's the beauty of it being on a streaming service, though. I could just skip through the good parts. Exactly. It's definitely... I think I, I... Out of all of these movies, like, I would rather... Like, not that I've seen Many Saints in New York, but I'd rather watch Justice League. Again, Malignant is a, a hot mess. Malignant has to go here because it's definitely the weaker of these three movies. But going but going back to the Snyder Cut, the problem I have with it, though, it is kind of depressing to watch as a DC fan because you do see all the wasted potential, especially in Ben Affleck's Batman, because we never got that solo movie. And Henry Cavill is in this endless debate if he's coming back as Superman or not, it seems. It's crazy that Aquaman made a billion dollars, but Justice League didn't. Is Aquaman 2 out yet? No, I think it's this summer. I, I just thought that movie was already out and no one was talking about it. I guess I just had a stroke. Aquaman 2 and Avatar 2 will be going will be competing against each other in 2022. I'm sure we're going to have that debate a year from now. We know which one Nate's going to prefer. I, I get, like, the beauty of Snyder Cut being on a streaming service is like, oh, yeah, skip ahead to, like, the best part. But I feel like that's valid for all three of these because all three of these movies were released directly to HBO Max. And there's, like, two really great scenes in Many Saints of Newark that are on par with some of the best scenes in The Sopranos. So I could also just skip to those two scenes if I really want, like, a good little mobster crime fix. If I want to watch the most balls-to-the-wall action sequence that feels like something out of The Matrix... From this year, I'm going to turn to the fucking climax of Malignant because no. it's absolutely bonkers no. and insane. 
honestly, one thing that doesn't get appreciation enough is the uh, prison break scene in Malignant with some of the best stunt work and gore of the year, better than anything in Mortal Kombat in terms of those two elements, dialed up to 11 with great stunt work from Zoe Bell and the rest of all those uh, female prisoners. I, I personally think that Malignant is a slow burn into insanity, and when it dials it up, it is one of the best payoffs of the entire year. And the best moments of the Justice League, for me, were in the first and second act, and then I just had to watch this story unfold the same way it unfolded two, four, five years ago whenever the Justice League came out. Many Saints of Newark has a couple of great scenes, but all in all, it's a little messy. I think the weakest of these three movies is actually the Many Saints of Newark. I'm okay with that. I I'm not offended by that. That's fine. That could go here. All right. Cape shit versus Maligma. Here we go. <laughs> Maligma goes next. End of story. I will agree with Josh, though. Watching the Snyder Cut made me very upset because, I mean, the DC, the way Warner Brothers handled DC post The Dark Knight Rises is one of the biggest financial mistakes of modern film industry. Like, the fact that they couldn't put together a competent enough cinematic universe while their competitors were five years into building theirs blows my mind. Snyder Cut is this really awkward Mandela effect of what could have been and what never will be. I don't care how good this Flashpoint movie is, this cinematic universe is dead in the water with Aquaman 2 and with Wonder Woman 3. I'd argue DC is more fun than ever. I, I did not care about any DC movie until recently. Now with the Batman, Wonder Woman 84 was very fun in its own way. It was fucking horrible. <laughs> the actual cinematic universe could not be there, but you know what cinematic universe is? Uh, it was such a tough gimmick to do from the beginning. They're comic, they're based off of comic books and comic books are terrible with continuity anyway. So at the end of the day, whatever. Do you really, really believe that Malignant is a better project than Justice League, ignoring all of like the context around Justice League. Because I understand that Justice League Snyder Cut represents the end of what could have been something great and the fumbling of the bag. Just take the four hour Snyder Cut as it is versus Malignant. Do you really think that Malignant is better than the Justice League Snyder Cut? I think both of these movies are auteurs who were given whatever resources they wanted to finish out a project that they wanted to make. And I think what James Wan did versus what Zack Snyder did, Zack Snyder added more fuel to the fire in terms of a ship that had already sank, sunk it even further. He was like, I want to go all in on this. I'm going to add stuff that was never in a script. Here's here's more scenes we're going to shoot. We're going to throw in Martian Manhunter now. We're going to, we're yeah, Dark Side, that thing that we cut from the first draft of the script. Now he's actually the main villain of this movie now. And we're never going to see any payoff to that. He injected more into the movie than he had in his previous movies or what the original movie was even supposed to be. On the other hand, with James Wan, what we got was a stripped back, limited version, a way more fun version of the last like six movies he's made with a chaotic ending. And the fact that this movie was made for like $2 million is insane to me. Because honestly, the acting, I, I agree. There's a lot of budget, like, like you know, not great performances. It's not a great script, but it is a lot of fun. 
And the fact that it has that big payoff is way more than I could expect from anything like the Snyder Cut. Like, we're going to see anything from Malignant again? No, but I can tell you what, I'm going to be watching Malignant again and again and again. I think it's going to be one of the best cult movies of this generation of cinema. Really? Yes. It's so campy. It is, it's ridiculous. I guess as long as these movies are right next to each other, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But I, I just for the record, I do believe the Snyder Cut is better than Malignant. We can put it to a vote. Josh, Alden, where do you guys stand? I'm going to probably vote to elevate the Snyder Cut, and that's just solely based on personal preference. Alden, you're the deciding vote here. My deciding vote is I think the Snyder Cut did a lot for DC, but they'll fumble it again. It won't matter. And Malignant is probably a better better entry for this year. I lost. Uh, Justice League, the Snyder Cut is the top of the ugly. We are moving on to the good movies of the year, I guess. Black Widow, Last Night in Soho, Green Knight, No Sudden Move, Mortal Kombat, No Time to Die, Spiral, and Pig. Uh, Black Widow definitely goes here. I think Spiral goes here. I think Spiral goes here too. Spiral tries something new. Uh, it doesn't do it very well. It tries to toe the line between a Saw movie and like a cop drama, and it doesn't do either of them particularly well, but it's definitely more entertaining to watch, and it is really interesting how they try to inject something new and different. And also, it's worth noting, Chris Rock's fucking performance is Kino. Like, he does such a good job. I've never seen him do such a dramatic performance that is good. Um, I, 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 I... I fully love his performance in this movie, even if it's not great, but it's also not the worst Saw movie. So it's like, that's worth noting is that like, there's Saw movies that are worse than Spiral, even though Spiral's not great. Black Widow is uh, w among the worst Marvel movies and it's forgettable as fuck. Whoa. There's two Ant-Man movies. Are you sure it's that forgettable? Came, there's an MCU movie that came out this year that's worse than Black Widow. Hello, Eternals was released a month ago. Let's talk about bad Marvel movies. You've got Black Widow. You've got Eternals. You've got Thor 2. You've got... Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, Yeah, okay, fine. I'll accept Far <laughs> From Home going there, even though I don't really... I don't think Far From Home's really on the level of Black Widow and Eternals. Like, I think Far From Home has entertainment value. Avengers Age of Ultron? Nope. Captain Marvel. I think Age of Ultron has a little bit of value to it because it does add to the lore. I don't think Black Widow's that bad. The biggest no. the biggest detriment Black Widow has right now being in this tier is that there is a James Bond film here and it is the boneless James Bond film on here. <laughs> I, I definitely think that Spiral has more merit than Black Widow. I would rather watch any of the other Saw movies than Spiral. Uh, that's a lie. I would watch most of the other Saw movies other than Spiral. Exactly. Exactly. That's my point, is it's not the worst Saw movie. It's not the worst Saw movie, but Black Widow is not even close to the bottom of, of MCU movies. So for comparing them in their respective franchises, Black Widow has done better already. Spiral is a more entertaining movie to watch than Black Widow. I disagree black widow's already over justice league the snyder cut so having it be at the bottom of good works for me 
I don't think Spiral was anything amazing. I don't think it's even the best thriller on this list, but I, I do appreciate that they attempted to do something different with Saw, even if it was just as laughably embarrassing as some of the other attempts to do something different with Saw. Black Widow was the safest by the numbers prequel movie that you could have gotten for a character that's been around for over a decade. I, I understand where Sekul is coming from, and I don't have a problem placing Black Widow here at the bottom, personally. So, when me and Alden saw Spiral, I remember walking out really liking it. Yeah, me too. As the year went on, I found myself forgetting the movie even existed. I think I like the concept of Spiral more than the movie itself. Having like Chris Rock in here, Sam Jackson, have it be kind of this passion project in the middle of this successful franchise. Like all the elements are there for something that I would want if you're trying to like reboot a franchise but the execution just uh, fumbled. I agree. I think that's a good enough reason to put Black Widow at the bottom because it doesn't take any big risks and Spiral sort of tried to make some big risks and then defaulted back to what Saw always has been and a worse version at that. Honestly, I think Spiral would be a couple notches higher if they just were like, yeah, screw it. It doesn't matter. Like, there's only one person who can play Jigsaw. Like, let's just bring him back. I hope, like, those movies become, like, yearly again because... The, that is fun to have something. And I hope they come out in October again. I get with the pandemic and that. Spiral coming out in like May was so weird. When Aaron and I went to see Spiral in theaters, um, we rewatched every single Saw movie and then we made bingo cards for what we expected to see in Spiral. Both of our bingo cards were basically empty. The only things that both of us got was like, there will be a Saw. Um, or like what kind of traps there were, or how many traps there were. We both predicted the Jigsaw puppet would show up or that Tobin Bell would have a cameo. It is so different from the other Saw movies that we watched all of them and then predicted what we would see in this one and almost nothing we said came through. They shouldn't have marketed uh, the title from the book of Saw. It should have just been called Spiral. That would have been a cool ass twist if it just looked like some random Chris Rock drama yeah. or like cop movie and then it turns out to be a Saw movie. That would have been nuts. That would have been so cool if you're sitting in the theater and like they're when they're the scene where they're looking for the computers and they're like another jigsaw copy and then we're then we'd all be like <gasps> What? That would have that would have actually been a lot cooler. <laughs> All right. Well, that elevated spiral enough for me. Is there anything that we think is worse that is left? We've got Green Knight, Mortal Kombat, Last Night in Soho, No Sudden Move, No Time to Die, and Pig. I mean, Mortal Kombat could go here. I think I had more fun watching Mortal Kombat than I did Spiral. Mortal Kombat did its job. Mortal Kombat was fun. There's a lot of good scenes in it, but I think that the plot is like really fucking lackluster. I also really don't like how like the main character is just a new character. I think that's a bold idea. Yeah, what was his name? Like J. Cole or something like that? <laughs> Sorry, J. Cole. His power and his armor were really stupid and it didn't look good. And it could have, like the idea of like injecting a new character into the Mortal Kombat franchise to introduce new audiences to the Mortal Kombat characters through a vessel of somebody who doesn't know any of these characters is a great idea, but it's just not done very well. My expectations for Mortal Kombat were really, really low, and for me, it scratched the itch that Kong versus Godzilla didn't scratch. Yeah. 
I got way more entertainment value out of Mortal Kombat just because it was in that HBO Max release cycle, and I was so disappointed by Kong vs. Godzilla, and then, like, three weeks later, Mortal Kombat dropped, and I was like, oh boy, this is actually entertaining, thank goodness. They, they did something decent here. That's the inverse for me. I, I was super excited for both of these movies. I watched Kong vs. Godzilla, and, you know, I didn't give a shit about the human characters, but I fucking loved all of the fight scenes all 20 minutes of it i know that the the version of mecha godzilla they have in kong versus godzilla is is like a bastardization of the version that he should be it looks like a power rangers megazord (laughs) he really does but they didn't even commit to that but the fighting is really good like the scenes are good where he's where they're fighting each other like that's awesome okay cool so spiral or mortal kombat here at number seven mortal kombat spiral spiral i'm leaning with spiral as well Okay. Um, but I do think Mortal Kombat goes at number six. For sure. Uh, it doesn't belong in the top five. I agree. I feel like number six is a good spot for it because it's not the best movie of the year, but you had a lot of fun. I hope that the sequels just lean in more to like the self-awareness and like the video game aspect of it. Like give us a tournament, try to develop this new OC that you threw in there for no reason. Like just give us Johnny Cage, just give us more characters from the video game and make them fun. I didn't hate the OC, but I kind of get it thinking about the movie, how entertaining Kano was. If we had Johnny Cage as the main villain, that really would have overshadowed what that actor as Kano was able to do uh, in that film. Yeah, I liked Kano a lot. I think he carried the first act of this movie on his shoulders. Um, after after the opening scene, he's the only thing that got me through. The re- like, until they get to, like, the nether realm or whatever, that was the only thing that had any merit for me. Yeah. We now have Green Knight, Last Night in Soho, No Sudden Move, No Time to Die, and Pig as the top five movies of 2021. Pretty wild list here. I'm between Last Night in Soho and No No Sudden Move here. I think they're both decent movies um, that just lack in certain ways. I think No Sudden Move really uh, lacks for me in the story department. I liked the characters and I liked the setting and the look of the movie. I, I like that it wasn't this big high scale movie. The like main sense of conflict just wasn't really strong enough for me to understand why all these characters were so in over their head. It just felt kind of like an artificially contrived situation to raise the tension. I would have loved to see these actors and these characters in a movie that just felt more developed. It felt like this was just a showcase for some great people that normally play supporting actors, uh, getting a little bit more star power. I thought Don Cheadle had a really decent performance in this movie. The few scenes that Brendan Fraser's in are great. Uh, David Arbor, I also liked him playing against type. David Arbor's playing like a, a Josh Brolin type character in this movie, and I thought that that was so interesting. Like, he's definitely playing against type and puts in one of his better performances. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Last Night in Soho has great cinematography, very good editing, but again, that script is just so disjointed, and when things finally start revealing in this mystery that you're following over the course of over two hours it just goes in fast forward and there's not really any build-up to that big twist ending there's great scenes in the movie but as a whole it's definitely edgar wright's weakest and i would rather elevate an underrated soderbergh movie that's just who i am you know having seen last night in soho i don't know what sudden no sudden move is about or what it is but last night in soho is not very good it has lots of good things in it but if you take it as a whole, it is not good. Yeah, I haven't seen Pig, 
but just judging by how Josh has talked about it, I think Last Night in Soho is kind of the weakest one on the on the rest of this list. Sounds definitive to me. I like the movie. My viewing experience was uh, not ideal. I, I don't know. Top five, it's worthy, but it's not better than the other four, I don't think. I think we're all in agreement, though, Last Night in Soho goes here. Yeah, uh, we can agree on that, but let's just, yeah, there he goes. So we've got Green Knight, No Sudden Move, No Time to Die, and Pig. Do we have a uh, stance here? Yeah, why should No Sudden Move not go here? Alden? I think it was a chance for all of these actors to kind of, not necessarily all of them, but a lot of them to break type and to seemingly have a good time with what they were doing. No Sudden Move, like, I I don't want to talk about it too much because I think it needs to be a spoiler-free kind of situation, just how the story plays out. Um, definitely watch it. It's, it's not the best movie here. It's a good one to watch. It's a great movie to throw on on a rainy afternoon with your dad. And that's exactly what I did, actually. <laughs> I think it says a lot that an HBO Max original is up here and there is no Netflix originals to be seen in this top five. Yeah, it's a shame Power of the Dog and Don't Look Up weren't selected because they're in my top five of the year. All right, Alden, if there was a movie besides No Sudden Move to place at number four, what would it be for you? I just, the only one I can say is Pig, but I didn't see it, so I'm not going to say it. I mean, you can also say No Time to Die, but that doesn't have to be in the top three. I like No Time to Die more than I like No Sudden Move. I think at this point, No Time to Die is representing something that isn't represented in the rest of the top five, and that is like, 2020, there weren't really blockbusters. We had, what, Tenet, and that was one of the most polarizing Christopher Nolan movies, and most people didn't really <laughs> like it, and uh, they tried to bring back the theater experience with that movie, and it was a year too early. Yeah, and No Time to Die to me represented the, the positives of actually waiting to release your movie in a year where it was, I guess, a little bit safer and it was a very balanced and well-made blockbuster um it was a great kind of end of an era for this chapter of the bond saga and i think it's probably one of the best blockbusters of the year it's probably the best like if we're comparing it to like whatever's in the top 10 highest grossing movies like i'm sure it's all the marvel movies and then like i don't even know what else would be there there's probably fast nine ghostbusters afterlife and free guy it's probably the best movie out of all those like when it comes to just pure film filmmaking the only other exception would be dune and that didn't even make the top 10 i definitely think i i, I love i've seen all three of these movies uh i love the green knight I love No Time to Die, and I love Pig. I do think Pig goes here. I think that it's the weakest as far as, like, cultural impact, uh, the story it tells. Green Knight is, like, this super amazing mythical tale that has, like, all these heady elements that uh, is, it, 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 like, the, the story and the concept transcends the movie i really disagree that just because it's a smaller movie makes it worse though i feel like that's just not the argument we should be having no it's not that it's a smaller movie it's just that it doesn't accomplish as much it accomplishes i think more emotion than any of the movies left i i just don't think that that trends that that's enough to conquer what No Time to Die accomplishes and what uh, Green Knight accomplishes. I will say, I know people who cried to both No Time to Die and Pig, and I know one person who cried to both, so... I say we put No Sudden Move here, and then we can move on to that debate. Yep, No Sudden Move at number four. And, uh, Josh, out of the three that are left, Pig, No Time to Die, and Green Knight, what do you think is the weakest? I feel like I'm going to be in my top five of the year, don't get me wrong, but I, I think I'm going to for Green Knight to actually go here. Whoa! 
The hot take of the episode. I wholeheartedly disagree in every way. Whenever I like try to do like a top ten of the year or something, I could easily just make my top three of uh, like three A twenty four smaller movies that I loved. But I always like to throw in at least one like blockbuster because I think blockbusters are important. Some a lot of them are shit. A lot of it's shit. But when they're great, they are great. No time to die. Other than like Spider Man, uh, it was the first. It came out before Spider Man, so I could say this. It was the first time where I felt like it was a blockbuster. And the it felt like that it just it was the first movie where it's like, man, I felt it was reminded that movies are awesome. The theaters are back. Yeah, that theaters are back. Going to a movie theater is awesome. If you could go safely, it reminded me why I like movies. And I didn't think a random Daniel Craig, James Bond sequel would do that, especially I was not a fan of Spectre. Spectre's not good. It's one of the rare times where it's a sequel to something I didn't really like that I came out of it loving. Why I chose Pig over the Green Knight is essentially um, what I've always said on the histories of this show. When it comes down to films, I just enjoy characters. And I loved following Nicolas Cage's character and slowly finding out more about him. Ending of the movie is very impactful and it hits you right into an emotional level. I think Green Knight has a lot of those motions, and I, I think the ending works. I know there's been a big rift on the ending between us and a former Duel to Takes host, but I think the, the ending works. But at the same time, it doesn't hit you with that emotion as Pig, because once you're feeling that emotion in Green Knight, it takes you to something else, which I think is the perfect ending for it. I, it's hard to explain it without spoiling the movie. I don't want to spoil them. I don't want to spoil the Green Knight unless we want to talk spoilers for it, because I think it's, it's a great movie. And if you haven't seen it, go see The Green Knight. You don't need to talk about spoilers for Green Knight to actually argue why it's a good movie. I think you need to talk about spoilers, why it probably goes here, though. For me, it's between No Time to Die and Pig. I think that Pig should go here, um, but I could I could see No Time to Die go here. I think Green Knight needs to go at number one. I think it's one of the most unique movies on this list. I think it has one of the most interesting premises, uh, some of the... Some of the coolest acting, uh, one of the best scripts. Let me circle back to the coolest acting. What what actually sticks out acting-wise? Because I don't think there's any performance in The Green Knight that sticks out like some of the performances in Pig. I actually think Alicia Vikander's dual roles are incredible. Yes, I agree. Yeah, Dev Patel's like girlfriend at the beginning. And uh, then she plays like the like witchy lady that lives in the castle that he meets like three quarters of the way through the movie. I think both of those characters felt very distinct and very, very unique. And I liked how they approached the fantasy elements in this movie without it being uh, over explanatory. I feel like in a weaker movie, they would have the characters sit down and explain what did it mean when he saw the ghost and helped her find her head? What did it mean when you see these giants walking around and they make an inaudible noise that the character can't comprehend and then he passes out? There's all these like there's all these high fantasy elements that are just accepted in this world. And I think that that's the strongest thing about the movie for me was it actually felt like you were on an adventure. And at the same time, there's these underlying themes of morality and what it means to be an honorable person, what it means to live up to expectations. And uh, it, it presents itself in almost like a meditative way through those themes. And uh, it really hits you in the in the head with a very important moment uh, in his life. 
everything moves and fast forward and you get to see uh, a glimpse into what his future could look like. And for me, tonally, that was a lot stronger uh, than anything in, in No Time to Die on a on a theatrical uh, and on a, an emotional level. For sure. The acting across the board in Pig might be stronger than the few standouts in the Green Knight. Yeah. But again, I think they're going for different things. True. What I think Pig really, really did a fantastic job of was giving us an, a unique premise of giving us this, this, the trailer for that movie. I was like, what is this? Is, is the movie about a pig or are we just calling Nicolas Cage a pig? Like, yeah, everyone thought it was just like a John Wick ripoff, like, like the movie Nobody earlier this year. Right. And everyone was like, oh, it's going to be like a like a revenge movie. Nicolas Cage is going to go crazy. And instead, we got probably the best Nicolas Cage performance in about 20 years. Yeah. I thought that this character was incredibly uh, uh, well, like, written and really interesting how the events turn out. And I really like the relationship and like the conflict between him and Alex Wolf's character. I liked that the way that that kind of relationship kind of developed and then like reversed. And I, I think that Pig is the better of the two movies. I think The Green Knight accomplishes a whole lot more and it's a movie that I like more, but I think Pig is the stronger movie. I think just about anyone could sit down and appreciate that movie. And I think Green Knight's the kind of movie where the ending will ruin it for about half the audience and will uh, it, it will win over the other half of the audience. So what you're saying is, is that the top two contenders are uh, Pig and No Time to Die. Because that's what it sounds like. You're saying Pig is better than Green Knight. I think Pig is better than Green Knight, and I think Green Knight is better than No Time to Die. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so you're saying No Time to Die goes next, then Green Knight, then Pig. That's just my opinion, man. We've got three other people here. Not between two movies. Let's just all say what we want at number three. All right, I think No Time to Die goes here. Alden? I want to say Pig, but it's only because I haven't seen it. I'm saying Pig because I have seen all three of these movies. I think that No Time to Die and Green Knight are better than Pig. To avoid Pig going here, I'm going to vote No Time to Die. Alden, what's your what's your favorite of these three? Which one are you hoping wins it? I think Green Knight. Okay, that's fine. Then No Time to Die will go here because no one has it as their number one. Right. That, that makes sense. And then we got Green Knight and Pig here for the second and best movies of 2021, according to this crazy list. Should we just do a, a, a vote on this one? Because it seems like we've already discussed these, unless we want to keep arguing both of them. Works for me. I think the vote's going to be split, but I think that uh, I think that I'm leaning towards Pig. To go in number two or number one? Number one. I think Pig is the best movie left. Okay. I think Green Knight is the best movie left. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. It's hard because I, I don't want to try to sell Alden on the movie, but also like... Yeah, I'll probably watch it in the next week or so, but... I just think if you're the kind of person that can sit down and watch Willy's Wonderland with the boys just because Nicolas Cage shows up and gives like a, like, whatever performance, it's just his name that is selling that whole movie and the fact that it has some vague connection to Five Nights at Freddy's... <laughs> Well, legally, there's no connection. Legally, there's no connection. You're right. If that's enough to s sell you on watching that movie, then I think uh, a movie where Nicolas Cage is actually giving it his all and is playing a character. He's not playing himself. There's not a single scene in this movie where Nicolas Cage goes all crazy eyed yeah. and acts like a fucking maniac. There is one scene where you think he's going to go crazy and he, he doesn't. And it's so good. Uh, in the same vein as what you were saying. 
I think that Green Knight has more to say than Pig. Oh, definitely. I think that Pig has a lot going for it. Um, there's a lot of great acting, a lot of great writing. The story's really good. The cinematography's great. I love all the acting in it. Um, I think Green Knight has more to say. I think that the story is is more concise. I really love how simple the story is, despite being pretty complicated if you think about it. But on the surface, it's really simple. What what happens, happens. And that's the end of the story. The way that they do like, oh, what's going to happen if he becomes king and, and just goes home and doesn't fight the Green Knight? Like, that's all really good. And then it goes back to what you expected to happen and then the movie just fucking ends. It's great. I think that Pig is really good. It's really fun. I, I don't even think... I think there's a couple of arcs and plot points in Pig that I think have been under the radar when discussing this, though. Like, we brought up Alex Wolf before, but the, the movie's father-son arc in this, I think, is really interesting and I think very relatable to a lot of people. It's an arc where, like, you don't, like, see it often, where the, the son of the father, like, working with the father but now the son's actually like doing like his own thing and the father is now interfering with it which is i think a more interesting take than the usual what we usually get when it comes to that sort of plot i mean nicholas cage you're just fascinated with that character throughout the whole thing but he ended the green knight with the uh character you're like but even before he sees the green knight again you're like ah oh, he's he's a cuck he's <laughs> no matter it, no matter how the movie ended you're like you You've grown to not probably like the character as much. Well, that's the point, though. Which is what I'm trying to explain here. And it depends what you prefer in your main characters. And, like, I don't know, the Green Knight, I don't, I don't, it's a protagonist turned kind of antagonist story. You're acting like I've never seen that before. It's, it's not a common thing. I'm not sure I agree with that because he's not an antagonist. He, he, he the, the actual it's he's a protagonist and he 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 you know he's a stupid idiot who's cocky and dumb and doesn't know how to address any situation he's given. By the end of the movie, he sees all of his faults and he realizes that if he continues on the path that he's been on for the entire movie, he's going to fail and ruin lots of people's lives. So he chooses to accept his fate. And I, I love that. From the beginning of the movie, I remember, so we're, I'm just going to spoil the Green Knight right now. If you haven't seen it, then fuck off. It's a common story. The entire movie takes its time trying to sell you on the idea that Dev Patel actually is going to learn and he's actually going to like progress and he's actually going to uh, uh, become a better person on this journey. Oh, you, uh, nope, he, he leaves and he doesn't accept his fate and he becomes a king and he's a bad king and everything goes wrong and then he dies anyways and then you flash forward back to exactly where he's at and he's like oh well yeah no that's gonna suck and then you get that character change that final character change where he's like okay no i would be a bad king i'm not ready for this i should accept my fate and then he does and it's it's simple but it works so well it is also simple but works so well diving into other arcs and characters um i the green knight is a great fantasy like like other great fantasies it's more about the journey than the actual destination which i totally get all that the green knight though its visuals are very good some iffy cgi that whole fox thing kind of sus the fox and like the giants and there's like a couple of other like big if the movie had like 
10 million dollars more in budget i think the visual effects probably would have been a lot more passable but yeah. there's a couple of scenes where like the the vfx don't necessarily land and you, you can't hate the movie for it i think it's passable but it's not it's not gonna age particularly well this is it's a tough one what i think this comes down to for me with the green knight is i was really excited for this movie for a different reason than i think a lot of other people that went into seeing the green knight i think a lot of people were really anticipated for this movie because of a24 uh as as a production company and as a distributor uh dev patel as an actor and i don't really think this movie sold me anymore on dev patel i think he's a great actor and he's been in a lot of great movies over the past few decades i mean slumdog millionaire was a great way to start his career and i think he's incredible in movies like lion and and things like that but his character here is a lot more like reserved and there's not a ton of range from him i guess it's it's hard to compare a character piece like pig to the green knight but what i was really really excited about green knight for and going to go see was the direction from david lowry who made a ghost story which i think is one of the most emotionally impactful movies of the past 10 years and it does so much with so little. Barely any dialogue in the movie until there's a ton of dialogue in the movie. Agreed. There's barely any uh, action. There's barely any location changing until there's a lot of it. And The Green Knight does a lot of that same kind of trickery in, in visual storytelling to really ground you into this world. But when they pull the rug out from underneath you in a ghost story and time just starts moving rapidly and then it goes to a pivotal moment and cuts away from it, it leaves you with this existential feeling where you have nothing else to do but sit in your own thoughts and think about it. Whereas in The Green Knight, when they do that same thing and time time speeds up and then it has a hard cut at a very important moment, you're kind of just like, oh, okay, well, that's what ended up happening and that's tragic, but it doesn't lead you into self-inflection in the same way that a ghost story does. I think the movie achieves more in its scope than a ghost story, but... I personally had a greater emotional reaction to the way that character arcs unfolded in Pig than I did in anything in The Green Knight. And I loved both of these movies, and they're both five stars. Two of two of the six five-star movies I've given this year. Yo, Nicolas Cage's monologue in the middle of the movie. I do love the interaction with Nick Cage and that one chef. <laughs> yeah. When they go to when they go to that restaurant, that scene is really, 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 really good. That might be the best scene of the year. Just like one isolated scene from a movie that might be in the top. Yeah, where he just like ruins that chef's life where he's like he's like, What did you want to do? And he's like, What did he say? He like he wanted to open a bar, right? Yeah. Something like that. He wanted to open a bar and he's like, Why didn't you do that? And he goes, What well, you know, in this town you know it's not great and it's better for all this artists and food and he goes yeah but why didn't you do that that's what you wanted to do and he goes <laughs> well you know i uh uh it, it, all of that that's a really good that's that's fantastic uh, honestly uh, i'm i'm sticking with green knight as my number one pick but i'm not gonna lose sleep if green knight goes below pig just because both of these are movies that i love but i i will argue that green knight i think has more to say and more to do than pig i think green knight might have another opportunity to appear on our end of the year bracket for season three than pig does i think this is pig's only shot to get there yeah i think i think pig deserves to be number one here i don't know if i have so any more to say so that's fine yeah i don't hate that i i i fought my fight for green knight so here it is the top 24 movies of the year according to the duel of the takes panel um i'm assuming we don't want to move the uh ugly below or above 
uh, and end with the Snyder Cut being the best movie of the year or with uh, Thunder Force being the worst movie of the year, I'm assuming, right? No, this is good with me. Yeah. Number 24, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Number 23, Free Guy. Number 22, The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Number 21, Red Notice. Number 20, Coming to America. Number 19, Reminiscence. Number 18, Tom and Jerry. Number 17, F9, The Fast Saga. Number 16, Thunder Force. Number 15, Kong vs. Godzilla. Number 14, Willy's Wonderland. Number 13, Raya, The Last Dragon. 12, Ron's Gone Wrong. Number 11, The Many Saints of Newark. Number 10, Malignant. Number 9, Justice League, The Snyder Cut. Number 8, Black Widow. 7, Spiral. 6, Mortal Kombat. 5, Last Night in Soho. 4, No Sudden Move. 3, No Time to Die. 2, Green Knight. And 1, Pig. All right, everyone. That concludes our list. Hold on. I want to give some honorable mentions. How we're going to do this, we can all pick one movie that we want to talk about because I'm not going to sit here for another hour. Okay, fair enough. Who are we going first? The movie that is on here that uh, I want to talk about is Don't Look Up. Yes! I feel like this is the one I was really hoping would uh, would come on the roulette, and unfortunately it didn't. Um, this is Adam McKay's most recent movie. It's been a very, very controversial movie since it's dropped. A lot of people are hating on it. A lot of people are loving it. And uh, unfortunately, I think it's intertwined with modern politics a lot. And I think a lot of that just comes from Adam McKay's persona and the way he's handled the last two movies that he's made being very politically charged satires. Um, but this one, to me... Uh, elevated itself from Big Short and Vice by detaching it from, uh, I guess, a real modern event or presidency or era of relevant U.S. politics over the last 15, 20 years. It was shot before COVID, and it tends to relate to COVID. It was shot during covid and was written before oh that's what okay that's what i meant uh i don't know how much of the script was changed josh you were uh saying that you think quite a bit especially in the third act was changed and i don't necessarily disagree with you i think that there's certain uh imagery specifically that was like okay they're really trying to pull at a very relevant and recent thing that has happened but i do think the attention to detail in terms of the performances in this movie uh was was great i think a lot of people turn in some of their best performances i've ever seen most notably jennifer lawrence who Mm -hmm. she's great been around for a long enough now where i should love her i mean she's been in some great movies i love silver linings playbook uh i think that she does a serviceable job in uh, a couple other movies but this was the first time i ever saw her character and not her and i thoroughly thought that she carried a lot of this movie on her shoulders i also thought that leonardo dicaprio did an incredible job playing like a midwestern dude like i get he's super hot scientist guy and is you know they they lean into that all a lot but as much as the movie's trying to remind you that this is leonardo dicaprio i never once saw leonardo dicaprio the accent he does is really good the acting is incredible i didn't like i have a harder time dissociating jordan belfort or his portrayal of jordan belfort than i do this 
this random guy. Like, I see more Leo in Wolf of Wall Street than I see Leo in this movie. Yeah. Considering the fact that his stance on climate change is something he never shuts up about, and if this movie wins a single award, we're not going to hear the end of it. Um, but I don't think it's going to. And I think that this movie was meant to polarize people. And I think this movie was meant to start conversations. And I think that it achieves both of those things. Really, what really worked for me was how much entertainment value I gathered from the movie. I don't really care about uh, what the movie is saying as much as I do that I watched it and enjoyed it a lot twice. Yeah, I was laughing through the whole thing. I, a lot of people are like, it's not even funny. And I'm like... Name the people. The the reoccurring joke of the fucking colonel who's charging them for snacks is so fucking funny to me. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I feel like that scene at the end, too, is just so, like, emotionally powerful, even if you don't care yeah. about, like, the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio gets told by the fucking, I guess, Elon Musk slash Steve Jobs stand-in played okay by Mark Rylance. He's playing the same character he plays in Ready Player One. When he gets told, like, you're gonna die miserably and alone, I think it's really interesting that the entire motivations for that character after then, he's done trying to care about the rest of the world. And him taking that uh, selfish stance of making sure he doesn't die alone is one of the most moving things in a movie to come out around Christmas time in a in a while didn't you simp for claws like two years ago josh i think you have something you want to say about don't look up uh, do i if you don't you don't yeah i don't know i just i i don't really like it comedy subjective so i can't really fault you guys for laughing and i can't fault myself if i didn't laugh i fault you when it comes to the theming in that and bringing up conversations it doesn't bring up anything I already know or I'd assume the general public already knows. Like, it's stuff we've debated for years now in society. I mean, but that's the thing, though, is it's, it is still a debate. We have never come to a conclusion on anything. We don't agree on anything. And even when there is a conclusion that is, like, objective fact, people don't care. And it's just a statement on that rather than anything else. I guess. There will always be someone powerful to, to like take control it, it doesn't usual satire and i thought it was an enjoyable like take on it i went into the movie kind of cautious because i was like uh the fact that it's not based off of like a recent event i was like uh is adam mckay really going to be able to like make an original comedy satire like work in today's political climate i i think because vice is as over the top as it is and is about something that's so recent it has probably a stronger bite to it, but I also think it does a better job of going across the political aisle and just addressing interesting things that happened, whether you agree or disagree with the politics of why those things happened. This movie just felt a lot meaner spirited and a lot more self-indulgent, but I liked seeing Adam McKay do something like that. My biggest issues with this movie were the random edits to stock footage of nature and shit. I was like, you're not Tree of Life, like, stop trying to be Terrence Malick, like, just do you. I, I understand that take. Hate Vice on every level. I hate that movie. Uh, I, I like Adam McKay and I like Don't Look Up. Um, I like a lot of his movies. I don't like Vice at all. Vice is upsetting to me because it's like you take a lot of good elements. Like, for example, casting uh, What's-His-Face as George Bush. Sam Rockwell is incredible in that movie. Sam Rockwell as George Bush is like the best fucking casting for George Bush of all time. Christian Bale as... Um, 
Dick Cheney. Th- that's great casting. And and the interactions that they have that they play straight are really, really good. But then they go into... There's this one scene that sticks out to me that ruins the whole movie because it, empl- it, it exemplifies the problem with the movie. Is the movie feels like it's trying to teach you or talk down to you. Where there's this one scene where they're in a restaurant. And it breaks down to where like... Uh, the, the the waiter is serving... Alfred Molino. The waiter is Alfred Molino. So he's breaking down, basically. He's, they, they, they start talking about, like, political ideologies and, like, different, like, things that happen in politics. And those things are offered to them on the menu of the restaurant. And then the waiter explains those things as if he's, like, Bill Nye the Science Guy uh, talking to you in an educational video. See, I love that. I love that scene. Yeah, I feel like it's more a waiter telling you the specials on a dish. Like, I think you missed the whole point of that. I hate that. Like, deleted scene for Vice that I want you to watch, and it's like pretty much the same thing, but told uh, in a song. There's a musical number that got cut from the movie. <laughs> I think I'd prefer Vice if it was a musical. <laughs> I don't think it would land as well. The way that that scene goes, it bugs me because it treats me like I'm an idiot that doesn't know anything about like the political situation that was happening. And maybe some people don't. And don't look up doesn't. <laughs> like <laughs> I was about to say. But don't look up does it in a satirical way. A waiter, so a waiter giving the orders of what happened been in that time like a like it's a special for dinner isn't in a satirical way or what no it is in a satirical way but it's and you're telling me that's you're telling me that's that's not good but Meryl Street wearing a fucking MAGA hat is subtle enough for you Sakula no 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 it's not about subtlety it's about the presentations that presentation's better wait let me finish when Vice does it it feels like it's preaching to me it feels like it's talking directly to me. It's like, you are stupid. Here are the things that are happening that did happen that are going to happen. From that perspective, the whole movie, the movie ends with Christian Bale looking at you in the camera being like, you don't know shit. Exactly. That's the worst. That's also one of the worst parts is where when they realize that like, you know, there's this random guy who died and he's like, I've been telling the story the whole time. And it's like, fuck off. Fuck this. Now, see, this feels really weird because Don't Look Up was definitely way more preachy and way more talk downy. It is, but it doesn't directly talk to you, literally. Vice talks to you. It looks at the screen and it says words to you, and that makes me mad. Don't Look Up does that, but it doesn't look at you. It just says things. Sakula hates the Wolf of Wall Street. No, I like Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street's fun. No, I looked in the camera. You can't like it. Sell me this pen. No, it's not about looking into the camera. It's about looking into the camera and preaching at me. <laughs> Jordan Belford doesn't. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, who wants to talk about a different movie? Alden, what do you want to talk about? Oh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, I I mean, like, if you've listened to previous episodes, Nate has praised this multiple times. And it's just, I think it's one of the best historical dramas I've ever seen. And the story it tells is pretty important and should be well known, but isn't. I don't know. I just, it, it pisses me off that <clears throat> it's taken this long for, I guess, a story like this, of which there are many, to get even Oscar, like, buzz and wins. 
True. The only thing that throws me off about Judas and the Black Messiah is that it was in the pool for last year's Oscars, even though it came out this year, which I think is kind of a shame because I would have liked to see that movie compete against better movies. And I think we got more of those come Oscar season this year. It blows my mind that that didn't win Best Picture and more importantly, that it lost to Nomadland. Yeah, it blows my mind that Lakeith Stanfield was... uh like nominated for a supporting actor in his own like movie that doesn't the oscars are still racist probably but i also think part of it just comes down to the fact that it's a dual lead performance and between him and daniel kaluuya they they split the screen time pretty evenly like i i don't not understand it i'm just pissed they both should have been nominated for leading actor in my opinion (laughs) instead of supporting like it was a really weird decision and and split up there yeah no i i think that that's one of the most suspenseful movies of the year i think it's one of the most well acted oh yeah it's about a story in like recent u.s history i mean it's literally 50 55 years ago most of our parents were alive when this happened and it's specifically about the fbi hunting down a political leader that they don't like because they don't agree with his politics uh, because the guy was actually a communist but they don't talk about that in the movie which is the one thing against it I think but it does touch on the Rainbow Coalition it touches on the politics and the uh, rising political parties of the 1960s in probably the most accurate way uh in the most accurate portrayal and i think with the timing of what's going on in our country it made this movie five times more relevant and this was already in production when it became five times more relevant i think for me it's still the best movie of 2021 so thank you for bringing up judas and the black messiah alden it's kino and if you haven't seen it it's on hbo max doing yourself a disservice by not watching it seriously it's really good josh you got anything yet it's okay sequela you can talk about no way home i was about to say let's let's just get it out of the way i i am gonna talk about no way home but before i do i I, i'm not gonna talk about it a lot i just want to mention uh uh mitchell's versus the machines really 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 good underrated animated movie i could say it's underrated but it's 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 basic there's lots of basic things about it I, I have issues with it. I, I'm saying like when I watched it, I got emotional. Okay. And I don't do that at a lot of movies. So I have to just mention it. It is very good. You should watch it. The animation is really cute. Uh, the characters are really cute. It's just it's just an, one of those movies that if you're in the mood to feel good, I like that movie Chef with Jon Favreau. It has that same vibe. Um, but it's not what I'm talking about. No way home. I'm not going to spoil it. You can. It doesn't matter. Spider-Man dies. <laughs> Spider-Man dies. <laughs> I was given carte blanche to spoil this movie before we started recording, and I'm still not going to. No way home is easily my favorite Spider-Man movie. I don't think it's the best Spider-Man movie, but it is my favorite. It incorporates elements of all of the Spider-Man franchises that we've grown to know and love. Um, it's got some of the best portrayals of some of the villains we've seen. Willem Dafoe, uh, absolutely fucking kills it as the Green Goblin. I I honestly think that this portrayal of the Green Goblin in this movie is better than his original portrayal in the first movie. He really, really sells it. He does a fantastic job. You can tell Willem Dafoe really fucking cares about this character. Uh, Doc Ock, he gets some great stuff. He gets great character development. I don't know if it's better than the original, but it is very good. Electro is basically a different character, um, but he's also very, very, very good. 
Um, Sandman phoned it in. He's not there. Yeah, Lizard was incredible. They did such a good job. Oh, Lizard, yeah, his new the, the CGI for the Lizard. No, I was being sarcastic. No, but the no, but the CGI for the Lizard looks much better. He looks really good. I'd hope so. The scenes like the things that he says, the things that he does are really good. There's lots of plot holes you can point out in this movie, and there's lots of contingencies you can point out, and there's lots of stupid stuff that you can be like, "Well, the characters could have done this instead." And it's like, "Yeah, I think this is my favorite Spider-Man movie." You need to watch it. I don't want to spoil it just because you need to watch it because by the end of the movie, they they create the version of Peter Parker that is accurate to the comics. Um, by the end of the movie, our version, like the, the Tom Holland version, becomes classic Spider-Man. Like the classic from like the original, like Amazing Spider-Man, like uh, like the like the first iteration of the comics like he becomes that version of spider-man so it's like he has all this marvel origins but then he becomes the version of spider-man we all know and love and 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 i i think that this is probably the biggest movie of the entire year and it deserves recognition for being one of the most bombastic and amazing and spectacleized like i I, i've never bought a movie on blu-ray ever because i've never felt like i needed to as soon as this movie comes out on blu-ray i'm buying it no questions like literally as soon as it comes out i'm buying it and then when the imax blu-ray comes out i'm buying that um it is absolutely incredible i'm not gonna spoil it even though i'm i've been giving car blanche to all right well i'm gonna spoil it a little bit there's a new suit in here and it's literally incredible but you only see eight seconds of it are you talking about the ending one yes the, so the ending of the movie uh the final swing as it's called he he creates a new suit and it is the penultimate Spider-Man suit. Uh, Josh, you have some of the best takes on Spider-Man suits that I've ever heard. Where does it rank? Um, it, it, it's a good suit. It's pretty fresh. The best suit is still the Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit. That suit is just... That's true. So good. It had no reason to be so good. Compare the Amazing Spider-Man suit 2 to the suit from the ending of No Way Home because I believe that they are comparable. No, the ending of No Way Home is too shiny for me. And maybe that was the lighting. Well, no, it is. It is a shiny fabric. It's supposed to be. Yeah, no, that's the intention. If you don't like it, that's a personal thing for you not to like it. And I totally understand that. That shiny fabric is the point. And that's supposed to be like that because that's comic accurate. And it is supposed to be like that. Yeah. It's, it's comic accurate to like. I think that's another thing for me. I don't care about comic accuracy. We have three different Spider-Mans in canon to the MCU. It doesn't matter. And probably soon four. Who cares? I, I just, I really appreciate fresh takes and I thought it was kind of bold of them to wait for the sixth movie that he's in to do his origin story, but whatever. <laughs> Easily my favorite Spider-Man movie. Uh, probably my favorite Spider-Man suit. And no matter what anybody says, I think that the ending suit is the best Spider-Man suit. I fucking, they've already said that they've confirmed that there are going to be three more Spider-Man movies at least uh, with Tom Holland. And I can't wait to see this suit in action. I can't wait to see this plot that they've developed by the end of the movie fold out. It's rumored that the next movie is going to be a Craven movie, which is fucking amazing. With Kevin James. Dude, Kevin James is going to do so good as Craven the Hunter. I, I that's one that's one I'll be buying on Blu-ray. <laughs> Hitch 3, Craven the Hunter. <laughs> I can't wait for the next Spider-Man movie and this one is easily 
in history going to go down as one of the most famous as far as also one of the one of the best because I, I i think that as far as spider-man movies ranked goes in the top three uh not in any particular order you have spider-verse spider-man 2 and this movie that's that's the like like those are the top three period that, that was the right order kubis yes do you have a movie you want to talk about that wasn't previously mentioned? I don't think we talked about it because we ranked the movies before it came out. To kind of finish that arc, uh, we should talk about how bad Halloween Kills was. Ugh. Oh, Jesus. You want to talk about a bad movie? Uh, Yeah, Halloween Kills might be the worst Halloween movie or damn near the worst. Um, Wrong. That was so bad wrong well everything i had going for it it shot itself in the foot in the making of this movie yeah like there's a couple of really good like slasher kill moments but when you look at the actual plot of this movie and the conflict of this movie it is the most preachy movie in the slasher genre by tenfold and it has no reason to be. It had absolutely no reason to be. The The take on mob mentality is absolutely garbage. And uh, I don't even care what the third movie in this franchise is now because this movie was so bad. They, they, they literally last jedi <laughs> Halloween, and I don't know how or why, but they did. I think it was better than the previous Halloween. No. No, the previous Halloween is one of the best. I disagree wholeheartedly. I think this is this is better than the previous one. I love the mob thing. I love the fact that uh Jason makes an entire mob uh like 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 turn against him and he ends up killing all of them and that action sequence sucks ass cuz they all go at him one by one. But I I think that that's fun. I I just think that this movie has a lot of the fun entertainment value that I want out of a Halloween movie, whereas some of the sequels have less of that. And I think that this is more fun than the previous movie. It's also fucking stupid to me that Laurie Strode decided, oh yes, I'm gonna burn down this house with, uh, with fucking, I said Jason, it's Michael Myers, leaves immediately assuming that fire departments don't fucking exist and then they put out the fire because that's what well she was stabbed but she doesn't like you know call the police or fire department and be like hey by the way michael myers is in this building he's dying don't come don't come <laughs> the, the fucking fire department i'm gonna come <laughs> she, she she didn't call and be like hey by the way michael myers is in this house there's no houses nearby there's no danger just let the house burn down she doesn't none of that happens he just gets out of the fire and kills all the fire department people one by one that was the best scene in the movie yeah and it was like the first scene yep and then it was all downhill from there Please do not put out the fire because Michael Myers will survive and he'll kill all of you. But she does none of that. She just goes to the hospital and stays there the whole time. Yeah, and that makes it the one of the better Halloween movies. It's not one of the better ones, but it's definitely better than the last one. Uh, Josh, oh, why'd you want to bring this up? Raised <laughs> <laughs> so much chaos. I just, uh, I just wanted to hear everyone's opinions on that. I didn't think it was very good. Yeah, it wasn't. I'm still gonna watch the 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 conclusion supposedly the conclusion to this very long franchise with its many reboots it's not gonna be the last one we know that hopefully uh hopefully friday the 13th gets a better reboot because i think a studio just got the rights to those so we should begin a friday the 13th movie uh 
sooner rather than later. Yeah, I don't hate the 2010 Friday the 13th remake, but I also think it's pretty flawed. I know that they're spending half a billion dollars on The Exorcist, so... This comes out in, like, January, so we all just got back from Morbius. What did we all think? Uh, I liked it more than Venom 1, uh, ironically, and not as much as Venom 2. You've actually seen Morbius. Yeah. Yeah, it went to the premiere. You act- And you liked it more than the first Venom? Really? Yeah, oh, way more than the first Venom. Uh, I think that Jared Leto actually brings uh, his Academy Award uh, winning performance uh, from Dallas Buyers Club into the character of Morbius in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, I really think it was incredibly bold of them to make uh, not him not only like a vampire like we saw him in the Spider-Man show Greenpeace uh, environmentalist I thought it was a really interesting take for this like rugged anti-hero to be a hundred percent pro uh, climate change initiative can I ask the hour-long court scene of uh, him and uh, Jeff Daniels reprising his role as Atticus Finch uh, from To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway uh, of them uh, essentially taking down uh, uh, lobbyists who are funding big oil. It was all worth it when Kevin James showed up at the end. Morbius uh, really, really make an initiative for uh, ending the fracking that's happening throughout our country. <laughs> I, I thought it was really bold, and then it gets right back to the action. Um, I'm really excited to see how they intertwine uh, Venom and Morbius into the MCU, and specifically how they're going to uh, handle Stark Industries and their use of crude oil and, and nanobot technology that's simply not sustainable. So uh, I'll say two things. A, Venom is not entering the MCU. He already has. Well, he did, and then he left. It's already there. He did, but if you watch, if you watch No Way Home, he's not. He did, but he didn't. Number two, I have to ask. So in the in the Morbius trailer, you see a post, like a a graffiti on the wall, basically of the Tobey Maguire version of Spider-Man from uh, the PS4 version. Like the picture on the wall is literally taken straight from the video game. The Tobey Maguire version is the one that's painted on the wall saying like murderer or whatever. Do they acknowledge that at all? How it's Tobey Maguire's version of Spider-Man or is that just a... It's actually the Spider-Man from the Japanese show from the 80s. It's that universe. Wrong. Wrong. Um, there's like an allusion to Spider-Man. Uh, there's like another like kind of Easter egg poster kind of thing in the background. And then there's like uh, a scene where, uh, as Jeff Daniels reprising his role as Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, <laughs> as he's going through the drive through there's like a thing on like the radio and it's like, I think it's actually, I think it's JK Simmons as J Jonah Jameson for the ninth time, uh, rambling on and on about this, this menace to society and how a Spider-Man has apparently, uh, like, like hung uh, someone to death and that's th- an illusion that it, it might have been Gwen Stacy uh, and it was really weird because like Morbius is in the back seat like chowing down on like a lamb and uh, Jeff Daniels asks him if he wants a coke with his fries uh, it was it was a weird scene it was kind of product placement heavy too but yeah that that's that's Morbius all right sounds super weird 
Um, do we have anything else to say about these? <laughs> <laughs> no. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Duel of the Takes. This has been a wild way to kickstart the season. And, uh, yeah, if you've been watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. Leave a comment down below. What was your favorite movie of 2021? Did you watch Don't Look Up? <laughs> 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 and cut. <laughs>